Hey there, I'm Christian Morosky. You may know me as Christian Mislansky, Muklansky, or even Moronsky. Most probably you know me as Dingus. I'm the one on the podcast who tells you what movie we're doing, which you probably already know if you're listening to that particular show, and how that movie is rated, which you probably don't even care about. Basically, I'm the Sigourney Weaver character in Galaxy Quest. I have one job on the ship. It's a stupid job, but I'm gonna do it. Thing I'm doing now isn't dumb, though. This is me talking about the 2017 Make Us Watch Whatever You Want fundraiser. That's right. Usually on this podcast, we choose the movies. For this podcast episode, you get to choose. That's right. You can choose whatever you want. Any movie you want. All you have to do is donate $1. $1. Make Tom do the math on that. $1. This can be for any movie you want us to watch. It could be uh, Midnight Run, for instance, or, I don't know, Hunt for October, which I don't think I've ever seen, or, or something dumb like Rushmore. Any of those. Seriously, whatever movie you want. Even movies Tom doesn't think are movies, or movies that are anime. Not that anyone would want to hear Kelly Wan do an anime opsis. Oh, please make Kelly Wan do an anime opsis. So donate to 3x3 at quarter3.com on PayPal. Donate by Sunday, March 12th. Send your dollar donations to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Or you can donate directly to the drive at paypal.me backslash qt3. Every dollar you donate is a vote. You can spread your votes over various movies or choose a single movie you'd like us to podcast and spend a bunch of votes on that. Just be sure to put the movie you're voting for in the PayPal comment. If you don't, we'll probably just default to something like, uh, I don't know, Midnight Run, which, I again, I don't think I've ever seen that. The deadline for entry is March 12th at midnight Pacific time. On the March 12th episode of the podcast, we will do a drawing to determine which of your picks is the movie we will be podcasting on our March 19th episode. Think of it. You could be the next... Goonies. Just think of the power you have in your hands. Thank you so much for your support. We really love you all so much. Lego Batman. Did I get that right? Is it the Batman Lego movie? Lego was the Batman movie? The Lego Batman movie. All right. The Lego Batman movie. Not just any old one. The one and only. The one true. Yeah. One true Lego Batman movie. My name is Tom Chick. I am here. You just previously heard from Christian Murkowski. Uh, I would like to be known as Calendar Man. <laughs> With our Lego, the Lego Batman tagline, Kelly Wand. I guess you could say Batman's a block parent. Keep going, Kelly Wand. Wow. No, there's a good one in there somewhere. <laughs> His best since Dawn of Justice. Okay. Warmer, warmer. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay with those. <laughs> I gave up. I think folks know by now, but go ahead and remind them, don't spoil anything, what movie we saw this week and why it was rated PG-13. All right. This week we saw the Lego Batman movie, 
or Batman movie, a 2017 American 3D computer animated superhero comedy sequel movie Mm. about a character with intimacy issues. Mm. It was directed by Chris McKay and written by Seth Graham Smith and Chris McKenna and Eric Summers and Jared Stern and John Whittington with story credit to Seth Graham Smith based on Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Bill Finger? Bill Finger. Uh, I thought James Bond killed him by sucking him out of a plane. (laughs) Wow. That sounds wrong. That sounds... Never mind. (laughs) Wait, is this movie really PG-13? Lego Batman? Let's find out. We haven't gotten there yet. Oh, I'm sorry. It it stars Will Arnett, Michael Sarah, Rosario Dawson, Rafe Fiennes, and Siri. Uh, The Lego Batman movie is rated PG. Thirteen, right? Nope, just PG. Well, there is no smoking, so I guess I'm okay with this. Why is it PG? It's PG for rude humor and some action. Rude. (laughs) Kelly, did they leave anything off that you feel the parents should know about? I thought it was a very adult film because it contained dogs being melted by lava. (laughs) Adult situations. It is? (laughs) Dingus, please. I think I know the difference between a Lego dog and a Lego cat. I watched it really baked. Uh, it has adult situations right. and Robin and thematic elements. Okay, good. Yeah, I think the parent parents should know about that. Yeah, that cat was horrifying. I was like, wait a minute. What? Why did? Yeah. What, what is that for? Why are you doing that? Why did you just show us that? Although I don't think it died. I'm not entirely. Let's, no, because I'm fine. Because I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know cats could weather lava. I'd have given this movie a hard G. That's a new rating I think they should invent. Uh, wow. A hard, so what about the root humor and the reverence to butts and whatnot and, and the action? Yeah. Is it the root? Butt, the butt mobile. Come on. Yeah. Rubbing your butt on Batman's hardware? It's Plus dumb all, to me. Oh, go on. I think, I think parents should be warned about all the orphans in the movie. Mm. That could scare and children. the comic. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dingus, uh, let's... Let's get Kelly Wan to give. Oh no no, let me. I'm sorry. Let me give you some of the, the movies. Give us stats. some numbers, Tom. Yeah. Yes, ninety one percent of the people on Rotten Tomato gave it liked it. That's right up oh. there in like free road territory. Wow. Metacritic, however, the average rating from various reviews, it's only at seventy five. Hmm. There's some oh. interesting disparity there. Hmm. Uh, in that a lot of people liked it, they just didn't super like it. You see, that's what get I did for the numbers. Uh, let's see how idiots felt about it. Oh, exactly. Cinema Score. Yeah, A minus. So Cinema Score, they were kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, right. Same as Split. Oh, Kelly Wan, that's just rude, but true. Yeah. I mean, whatever hmm. I saw last week, I forgot already. What was it? <laughs> Next. Split was a couple weeks ago. Dingus, we what saw, did we see last week? Yeah. We saw John Wick Chapter 2. Back out at A minus. That's what I thought. Um, the A minus is kind of the default rating on Cinema Score because if you get a B, you suck. Yeah. If you get like an A plus, everyone's like, "Woo, yeah, go, wah!" Uh, but an A or A minus is just kind of like, "Yeah, sure, I liked it. Yeah, oh yeah." Because you know, this is just people. Cinema Score is only the kinds of people who will go to a movie on the Friday that it opens. It's kind of a self-selecting group. <laughs> uh, so consider but that. when they like something, they have to remember the word minus. I like it. Hey, minus. They actually don't have to do words. They just tear paper. Yep. 
Oh, that's how they measure it? Yeah, torn paper. It's where the tear is on the spectrum. Uh, Let's see. Numbers-wise, also numbers-wise, opened at number one. It beat out Fifty Shades Darker and John Wick Ah. on their opening Uh weekends uh, with a cool 53 million. So all that said... Kelly Wand, I was a little confused at, like, was it a cat in the lava? Was it a dog? Who knows? I need you to clarify some of these things for me by giving me a Legopsis Batmanopsis Muvopsis. Aw. That's a fun way to say things. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you're trying to do. <laughs> um, yeah, well, since I had to go have Dumb Adventures in Copenhagen this week, Instead of writing an opsis myself, I asked the nine-year-old sitting beside me to just say what was happening in the movie constantly. (laughs) This is what a nine-year-old thought of it. Not me. I don't think he even heard me, but he was doing that anyway, so here's what he said. Lego Batmanopsis by a nine-year-old. Opsis. Nine opsis. I think the main Lego protagonist from the first Lego movie is dead since he's not in this. <laughs> I knew this was the right nine-year-old the second he started talking. Like, this one's thoughtful. <laughs> if someone's in a movie, I always assume they're dead. Which is, dead. Interestingly enough, it's Kelly Wong's, uh, what he concluded at the end of Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, it was a dream. <laughs> yeah, the character's dead, obviously. Once the movie's over, the character's dead. <laughs> Maybe it'd be funny if we find out Alfred's just nuts and he imagines all of it. And he's just like a butler, like the crazy yeah. butler who lives in Gotham. Like... It'll take place in a, in a blade of grass. That's the last issue of Batman. Yeah, it's like uh, St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Huh, people on the internet in 2017. <laughs> I think the main Lego protagonist is dead since he's not in this, and neither's Batman's girlfriend from that. Lego Batman's in this. All these bad guys, but no Matter Eater lad? Batman writes songs? <laughs> That's new. I like this kid. Yeah, I yeah, do. Me too. I want to see BVS with him. Or just simply BS with him. Lego Superman is more popular just because he's stronger. My dad says the Daily Planet is fake news. <laughs> okay. I think we know where we're going. He calls the city Jewtropolis. My dad's always been funny. That's what mom says, but in a crying way. Batman has computers and electronics, but he still makes the cops use a bat-shaped spotlight to alert him to serious emergencies. (laughs) (laughs) Even though bats can't see. Is the light in the Lego universe made of Legos? My dad says we should call it the Juniverse. Batman's parents got shot when he was a kid. If that's what made him Batman, maybe more kids should try out being orphaned. (laughs) For him, 
did Alfred work for Batman's dad as a butler, or did he just show up on the doorstep the next day and tell the police, don't worry, I'll raise the kid? (laughs) He's a very cynical nine-year-old. Batman is an electronics genius. He makes computers in caves and cars and planes all by himself, but he still needs an old British man to run his bath and cook his food. Superman didn't even make his own clothes. His mom had to do it. Superman's dad, Jor-El, was dumb. Why didn't you just make a bigger spaceship? I guess Jor-El was like Forrest Whitaker in Rogue One. It was just his time. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, Batman made the Joker cry by saying he didn't hate him. The Joker seemed shocked and hurt by everything Batman's not saying. Is it something Batman usually says? Maybe he feels it, but he's just sick of the Joker's BS. Or he's just joking. Superheroes are always doing the same things the villains are doing. If he cares what Batman thinks, maybe he should just be his friend. I asked my dad if his name should be the Joker, and he just stared at me and said, Why? That's not his name. Some kid at school says the Joker's original name was Joke Nicholson, but then he fell into toxic waste and turned into the guy from Brokeback Mountain. I guess toxic waste makes you funnier. If Batman fell into toxic waste, maybe you'd give him a sense of humor too, and then he and Joker could be friends. Did the Joker kill Batman's parents and Robin's? How come Batman's dad took an alley that night when his wife had all those pearls on? Maybe he knew that would make his kid into Batman, so he was just being a good parent. But not a good husband, since the mom died, too. I forget Batman's mom's name. I can only remember Superman's. (laughs) Oh, to be nine again. (laughs) Since this movie's just called Lego Batman... Lego Batman sings a song about how awesome only he is. None of the other superheroes like Batman because he's standoffish. He's not as popular as Aquaman. (laughs) Batgirl's a redhead, but her voice is black. If she's not also a billionaire, who makes all her stuff? Since no one cares who Batgirl is, it's okay that her secret identity is in the criminal investigation field. Gotham only has one billionaire who'd be able to afford to make all his stuff. But maybe in Gotham, they're just pretending they don't know it's Bruce Wayne, so he'll keep doing it. (laughs) Oh, nine-year-olds. If Batman had weird lips, they'd all know the second they saw him, it was him. Wait, Batman does have weird lips. (laughs) Does he in the comics? Batman doesn't like Batgirl because she wants to solve crimes by using evidence and clues. Batman doesn't like Robin either. Robin stalks him around and can't take hints. Robin likes Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne was an orphan who inherited a lot of money and gets easily annoyed with everybody. (laughs) I think Robin's wearing glasses. Robin doesn't like wearing pants. (laughs) Batman has bulletproof armor. Robin's superpowers, hoping the bad guys don't shoot him in the thighs. My dad says it's interesting that both their characters in this suffer from arrested development. I think it's disinteresting. 
the Joker tricks Batman into putting him in the two-dimensional Phantom Zone by stealing a machine that does that from the police. This sets all the criminals free to cause millions of deaths. Batman might get arrested for this later, unless everyone forgets about it. (laughs) They forgot about it. Superman uses his Fortress of Solitude to throw a party for the Avengers, even though it's cold and hard to get to. (laughs) Batman wasn't invited, since he's a billionaire. He never invites them to parties at his cave. Did he want to? If not, why does he care now? If the Earth's sun makes Superman super, shouldn't the sun get credit and have super in its name? <laughs> its name. Oh, year olds. How does he fly back here from Krypton or anywhere else once he's out of range of our sun? He should run out of oxygen and flying powers somewhere by Pluto. Just freeze to death. <laughs> Then aliens could come look at his body and go, what an idiot. Look at his clothes, too. (laughs) That's what would really happen. Nine-year-olds. So crazy. But he's making sense. I asked my dad how come Sauron's in the Phantom Zone. If Gollum blowed him up by eating a finger and tripping off a cliff. (laughs) After nine hours of other events. (laughs) In having his own bathroom. My dad says not to think about anything. Someone else in the Phantom Zone is King Kong. King Kong's a villain? I asked my dad, shouldn't Charles Grodin be in the Phantom Zone since he's the one who brought King Kong to New York in a giant gas station pump? My friend Kiernan's dad says the only Charles Grodin movies that's canon is Midnight Run. (laughs) Sounds to me just from the title like the greatest movie ever made. Batman wins the fight by letting Alfred, Batgirl, and Robin into his plane. They don't care about each other. They only care whether Batman likes them. So to punish them, Batman puts them all in prison to die. Then he drives off because the Joker's using lava. Batman tricks the Joker by telling him he hates him. So they make a land bridge out of their Lego bodies. Colin Farrell was the dad in the first movie. His glue stick was evil in that, but here it would have been helpful to have for the land bridge. (laughs) But the bridge works, and the lava has no answer for plastic holes. Just like Grandpa said that one time before he walked naked into traffic. I don't miss Grandpa much. Batman gets happy by being in a photograph with the other toys that someone no one likes takes. I guess that's all that Batman wanted in the first place, to pose. From now on, the bat signal looked like a happy face. My dad says he preferred Lego Star Wars because it had a more original story. He says he'll show me what episode four is tomorrow. I hope that lives up to the title. Beside me, Faye Dunaway's all, and the winner is blind. I mean, Moonlight. The end. (laughs) 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 (laugh
Well, Kelly, I would normally thank you, but you had nothing to do with this. So thanks no. to that nine-year-old kid. He should yeah. write all of them. He's great. Yeah, I know. He's really great. What a little he rascal. doesn't do the he doesn't do his, the voices the way you do, but yeah. I appreciate I appreciate his understanding of what a great movie Midnight Run is. He said a lot of other shit, but it, I just that's all I could catch when I was writing it. I can sure. understand that. Yeah. Understand. It's hard to it's hard to transcribe that if you're not a stenographer. Yeah, he gave me a written version, but I couldn't read it. <laughs> He's nine. All right. Well, we know how the kid felt about the movie. Dingus, you go first. He said you, he gave it an A minus. He said at the end. A minus, right? Okay. So, uh, yeah, he would fit right in with the cinema score audience. He right. pumped his fist and stood up when he said it. Wait a minute. Was his name what? Christian Murkowski? No, he was nine. All right. Okay. That's how I told him apart. Totally different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Dingus, you had a bit of a, a prehistory with this movie in that your son saw it before you, so certain things about it must have filtered through to you before. Like, you might have heard spoilers. I actually did not know. He's, he's, he's pretty well-versed in being careful not to tell me stuff. Mm-hmm. He, knows, he, knows, he knows my, my ways, so he doesn't, he doesn't tell me things. Right. But he, he did. not get yelled at. Yeah, well, he didn't yeah, want to get that's, right? that's how it goes. I yell at him. He must have, of course, said something about what he thought about it, and it maybe colored your expectations. So, right? Well, he had, he had first to, uh, I mean, he seemed underwhelmed uh, when I first talked to him. He went to see it with his mom. Um, he seemed kind of like, or maybe not underwhelmed, but whelmed. Um, but then I, I heard really? him talk to you, and he was like, yeah, I really liked it. So, I, I don't know. I think uh, for kids over time, I think kids like almost anything, and I think that over time he was fine with it. Sure. It grew on him. Probably. So you, you went to a movie thinking that your son was a little bit whelmed by it. Yeah. Hmm. So how does that fit in with uh, your response to it? I couldn't stand it. <laughs> Whoa! Well, not just whelmed, but couldn't stand. Dingus hated Lego Batman. I'm fascinated. All right, Dingus, elaborate a little bit, and then we'll take our wait. turns. All right, I would put uh, as my over uh, the movie Suicide Squad. Um, I'm saying that the, the, these are movies that I think are trying too hard because I think that this <laughs> this movie is really trying too hard. Uh, it has basically the same like two or three jokes, and the jokes that it's trying are just not working. The gags aren't working for me. Wow. Uh, and under, I would put uh, Dark Knight Rises, which I think is trying too hard in a different way. All right. Well, uh, it, Dark Knight Rises is trying too hard. I agree with you on that one. So then, Kelly Wand, what's your overall take? You sound a little surprised that uh, the Dingus said he couldn't stand it. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. I thought everything was working, and they were making fun of all the Batman stuff. I thought that was cool. So, uh, and I, I don't know. I liked the. I liked that it was just about Batman instead of all the other Lego characters. Like, the Will Ferrell stuff was annoying to me in the first movie, because I was kind of invested in the Lego universe that was happening, and then to be pulled out of it was, um, I thought, a letdown for me. Uh, Yeah. It's just me. Like, no one else seems to think that. No, no, we were on the same page with that, I think. Were we? Okay. I was was annoyed by that Will Ferrell stuff, and I loved the first movie. Yeah, and so in this... um, I didn't we they didn't worry about that. So I kind of liked that it was just it was like the kid from the first movie have like just doing his own adventure without having Will Ferrell's 
fucking it up for him. So I thought it was way better. I liked it more than the Lego movie. Lego movie's my under. Wow. Okay, well, what's your over then? I guess Toy Story 2. Just kidding. Wow. Because that's a perfect movie, Toy Story 2. It's one of maybe a half dozen perfect movies that exist. It's like making an action sequel to what the first movie was like more of a comedy or a drama, but it wasn't like action-y. But Toy Story 2 had a lot going on in it, and I thought this movie had like, I don't know, just it was like Gravity. It was about stuff moving around, <laughs> people getting to places. Like Gravity the movie or Gravity the, uh, the Force? Uh, not Star Wars, but Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah, well, no, and I liked all the Batman jokes. I thought they were funny. Huh, yeah, I thought sure. it was good writing. Um, wow. So okay. Good writing. Yeah, Lego yeah. Batman. I thought it was crazy. It was a crazy movie. I, I will like. If I, I was get, Tan, I would have liked mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I get to be the deciding vote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with Dingus. I, I thought Dingus, you put it very, very perfectly. I think in terms of uh, it trying too hard. Uh, but my issue, I don't. It, it, this definitely goes in with trying too hard, but it was awfully earnest, and I think it was for kids. Uh, that was kind of my takeaway: is that there were early on some some nice stabs at meta humor and making fun of Batman, but ultimately it was, as you said, Ding, it's the same joke over and over again: is Batman is a petulant child, and that was really cute in in the context of the overall stuff in the Lego Movie. And I would have thought, yeah, it would make a cool standalone movie, but it got a little old. And by the time that the movie decided it was going to deliver an earnest message about, uh, you know, a man has to take a look at himself and in order to make the yeah, in order to make the world a better place, he has to make a change. Well, that that yeah. was one of the that's one of the takeaway messages. And the other super earnest takeaway message: uh, it takes a village, not a Batman. Like all of this super sappy, like. Like, here's the part where we come out and tell the kids, we explain to the kids what we're teaching them moments. Right. Uh, that stuff, I mean, I was over the, the movie by then anyway, but Kelly Wan, I'm afraid I'm with Dingus. And that I, I think as he puts it, trying too hard, uh, that, that's kind of how I felt about it. And, and my over and under are what I think are other DC properties that didn't quite know how to deal with their subject matter. And the under is uh, Batman versus Superman, which was just a colossal thud of a movie uh, at least this one did it was colorful it was it was animated literally and figuratively it's fun uh, it's a fun movie it's trying to have fun but it's uh, yeah it, it's, it's a little tedious by the time it's over at first yeah it's, it's fun but my over would be uh, Dark Knight Rises which I think similarly doesn't understand <laughs> its, its subject material but at least there is uh, you know it's Christopher Nolan and there's a sense of craft in there and you know the 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 Bane is kind of memorable, I guess, uh, even if it doesn't really seem to fit. So, yeah, I'd rather watch Dark Knight Rises again uh, than this, and I'd wow. rather watch this again than Batman vs. Superman. Well, I'd rather watch anything than Batman vs. Superman. Anything? And I, yeah, the movies say anything. I'd rather watch that. That's my <laughs> opinion for that movie. Anything commas say. But, uh, so... Uh, Go, yeah, go redemption. That's a good argument to try and trick me into not liking it, because you know I hate that usually. Well, but you also, I, I presume, like this for reasons other than its narrative arc. Like, I don't think its narrative arc was a, a big seller. I like the for jokes. You. No, I like, the, like visuals the jokes. And I like the visuals. Oh man, yeah. the well, Batman jokes. There's a lot of good shit of this. I mean, well, well it, it, the the problem is I I don't I don't know from Batman jokes, uh, and I I didn't think that. I couldn't identify them like even from sort of 
peripheral vision. I, 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 there's no way I would have guessed what the Batman jokes were. And, and there, there's so many other jokes that just don't make any sense, like street meat or blink, blink, blinkity, blink, 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 blinkity, blink. And I'm like, just stop it, you guys. Come on. They're jokes that are having to lampshade themselves, that are having to explain these yeah. are jokes. So we're going to we're going to sure. say out loud what the punchline is. We're going to explain it to you, too, in case you don't think it's funny, that therefore maybe us explaining it will make it funny. And that's way. But I thought mm-hmm. I saw that as like the fact that they're Legos that you would have to say blinkity, blink. Like, it's a kid playing with Legos, is I think the concept. <laughs> Kelly, you're applying a whole new level wow. to it that I, I I, don't know if it exists or not, but uh, it would be interesting to watch it through that filter. Okay. Because mm. you're saying, you're hearing pew pew for lasers, so that means it's someone, it's, the god of this universe is a nine-year-old. Well, see, that's another thing. I didn't understand why they kept doing the pew pew. So, Kelly Wand, I like that. Uh, it brings into question a bunch of other things, though. <laughs> Uh, like I don't think that if that had been consistently applied, I think it would have been a great idea. Uh, whoever like the yeah the I know dozen, like, dozens of people who wrote this, I'm not entirely sure <laughs> that that was a consistent idea they had in mind. Because uh, I know would do a bunch of jokes about the movies and like right about studio executives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right or like uh, non-lethal, yay! I mean, right. it's commenting on the movie. I mean, do, yeah, I'm not sure which is going on. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because. Um, Chris Merkinson, who I don't think was crazy about the movie either, but he says the high point of the movie for him was that there was a child in the movie who was a vocal while he was watching it in the theater. <laughs> and he says that this was just awesome for him. And he and like this kid would like yell out, Daddy, lobster. And he would go, pew, yay. And <laughs> it, it sounds like having to sit next to me during a movie. Um, uh, but for Chris, this was, he said it was just so darn cute and he wanted to see who it was. Uh, but you know, when you're a 41 year old sitting in a movie theater, you're not going to go looking for kids. Um, but he, he just said that that kid made the movie totally worthwhile. So what I think what Kelly Wand is saying kind of applies to what Chris Markson experienced as far as like that, the nine year old that Kelly Wand had, uh, write the synopsis for him. Um, was kind of the experience I think that Chris Markinson had. Mm-hmm. Well, I related I, to that kid, <laughs> and I did appreciate some of the uh, like. I think there were definitely some nice little nuggets in there that I think were for adults. Even though I do think I think it's a kiddie movie. Uh, you know the yeah. the, bit, the bit about you know how, like the making fun of Suicide Squad with hey get a bunch of criminals to fight criminals that's stupid. Like that's obviously not it. Suicide Squad. And then there's little comic book nerd things that even I got from playing Batman video games early on when Killer Croc goes down and he turns on a switch and then he says, yay, I did something. I got that joke. That was funny because Killer Croc has historically done nothing in in video games that I've played in Suicide Squad. Uh, So I I kind of appreciated little moments like that. And I wished that I had sort of enjoyed the movie more to to stick with some of those because I think those were peppered here and there. that's what not a reference the, to the movie. What was the English robots joke? Like Dollar. there was some. It was like English robots. Ask your nerd friends. I, I, I literally, I felt like the movie was going. Haha, you don't know what we're talking about, dumbass. I don't think I know that one either. So Kelly, one, you're gonna have to Dalek. help. It's what? Dalek. Oh no, no, Daleks. Doctor Who. No, I did know what those. Are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, I, 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 I am kind of suspected friend. it was a Doctor Who joke. Yeah, exterminate, exterminate. They're totally Daleks. Thing is, how can you not know Daleks? Because I don't know Doctor Who. Because I don't care to know Doctor Who. And I, now, I, now I, 
aggressively oh, don't want to know Doctor yeah, Who. Even I don't I want don't know Doctor Who, and I'd know Daleks. He's his Doctor Who's weapon, Dingus, is a screwdriver. That's why I, I think he's cool. Uh, Doctor hmm. Who was, I think, most uh, was best explained to me when someone said, and I was sort of saying, I don't really get Doctor Who. Someone said, well, you know, it, it's children's TV. Uh, and that explains a lot about Doctor Who. <laughs> it started as an educational show, actually. And yet his weapon is a cocktail. How weird. Uh, Lego Doctor Who, ready? <laughs> By the way, we did have one listener who wrote in who doesn't write in that often. His name is Brian Kent, and he very rarely gets to see the movies we see at the same time. Uh, but he really is on your side, Kelly. He keeps... He, wanted, he, he really liked it, uh, and he was really impressed with the level of detail in the filmmaking, especially during the action sequences. If I, th- I think if I was a kid, I would really like it, and I tend to cut movies slack if I think the jokes are funny. Like, when we saw The Watch, the Ben Stiller one, I didn't think, like, it just didn't, it wasn't working for me then. But then oh. Jump, 21 Jump Street, like, I, was, I think we saw them, like, a week apart. And, like, 21 Jump Street was the one that had jokes that I thought were funny to me. And the watch was weak. And so it's just a matter of taste, I guess. It's kind of down to debate what you think's funny because everyone's different. Well, 21 Jump Street, too, wasn't that uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord? The original one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I, those guys are geniuses, and I think that's, that was something that was missing here, I, I felt. You know, what they did ah. with the Lego movie, regardless of whether or not you thought that Will Ferrell stuff was good, and it obviously was. You guys are both wrong. Uh, but those guys really know what they're doing, and I, I sorely missed their deft touch and their sort of self-awareness here. This Chris McKay guy who did this, he just does like like little funnier die videos, I think. I don't know. He, he, he's Robot Chicken, dude. I don't, I don't, know I don't even know what Robot Chicken uh, is. Really? It's cartoons, right? Right. Yeah. Just By the way, Arthur Jevangeli uh, agrees with you, Tom. And he, he, he mentions 22 Jump Street and Lord and Miller as well, and uh, how they, how it loves to use self-aware sequel and romance humor, and it, it gets laughs out of those. I mean, he feels like he, he goes to the well too many times, but he's totally on board with you. Yeah, because I don't think Chris McKay has that depth to hand with it uh, as far as putting the movie together and as far as being a director and overseeing, I guess. It's a trickier challenge, though, because you just think, like, if it's a Lego <laughs> Batman movie, what do I do? I make a Batman movie, but with Legos, or do I make fun of it? What I'm confused about is that this just feels like it's just really trying too hard and way too busy and cramming too much crap into it, whereas the first Lego movie crammed a bunch of stuff in, too, but somehow it all works. I mean, that that movie feels cleaner, and this feels like a mess. Busy is a good surprise, too. Busy is a great word, Dingus, because one of the rare moments I liked where early on I had super high hopes is when it's sitting there watching Batman watching the microwave. I was like, this is great. You know, this is, and and I, was even, I was even like, okay, is this going to go on super long? Are we going to watch this in real time? And then it cut away, and I don't recall offhand any other like extended quiet jokes like that. But I loved that little bit, and I think for you know, the other 99% of the movie, it just opted for busy. Uh, mm. and, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it made that it made a couple. They made that joke about okay, twenty uh, no, not twenty minutes, yeah, right? Which was funny, and then it, it immediately goes to now he can't. He also can't figure out which HDMI to use, which is the you know he just 
you yeah. just made an appliance joke. Don't make another appliance joke, dude. Uh, I'm okay with that because it's observational humor. And if, if this movie had been more of that kind of observational humor, even if it did feel repetitive, I, I think I would have enjoyed it. Um, but they felt like slapsticky kid jokes for the most uh, part. Right. Because uh, I like that fumbling with the HDMI and doing the wrong time on the microwave. And, you know, I like this idea like that, that yeah. yeah, Batman uh, has the same issues that the rest of us do. Like, which one mm-hmm. is the TV, is the DVR on? And, uh, and the know. cave's lonely for him. Which he he, made, he, yeah. I mean, it keeps pushing that joke, though. Like, with the, you know, I, I mean, that, that's the thing, too, is this, Batman was kind of a one note character, and that works fine when you have uh, Will Arnett doing it in a big old ensemble piece like the Lego movie. It's hilarious that Batman is a disaffected teen. That was great there, but I'm not sure. It, it just kind of felt awfully stretched thin here. It's like in the fourth season of Arrested Development, where, like, the episodes are all just about one character each. And then you realize it's not working anymore because the ensemble feels missing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And well, that, that, that's that, basically just because of scheduling, though, right? Yeah, but you, the whole, it just fe- it weighs everything down, and you realize that that's what made it work originally, and they didn't realize that. And that's by design here, though, is they think, okay, let's just spin off Batman, and uh, and you yeah. know they 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 made the right call. It made plenty of money, um, and. The idiots love it, so I'm not saying... Idiots love it. No, but it's a writing challenge, and I guess I liked the... I thought they came to terms with it, because it seems like a tough gig. Like, okay, i got to make a movie about Lego Batman, and it's a sequel to the biggest movie. Like, it was a huge surprise hit that has a high pedigree of wit. You know, I think I, I said this on a podcast before, but there's there are Lego Batman games, of course, and the second Lego Batman... I think it's actually very well written, uh, and it even has a very cool story with a nifty reveal at the end. Uh, I, so, I, I, yeah, it's sure it's a writing challenge, but I've seen it done better in a video game than I, I felt it was done here. Um, but it felt like this, like they weren't trying, I don't know, I didn't think they were trying too hard. Like, it seemed like there was not going to be a sequel, there's not going to be a sequel to this, like it's all sort of wrapped up and it's like just a one-off. Mm, I am pretty sure we're going to start. <laughs> I, I, well, well, it made, it, it made plenty of money. I mean, they, they definitely feel commercially they've made the right approaches. Because I also think too, this was this was definitely. Uh, it's going to sound like a dick thing to say, but it's true, and I feel the same way about Rogue One. This was kind of their B side talent, I believe. Uh, you know, they didn't get a high profile director. They did not have a lot of names doing they rushed cameos. Uh, I'm not. I, I, are you saying that because you know? Because I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. No, it just feels like it because yeah, it yeah. wasn't that long ago. Well, it did feel – yeah, it, it just felt like this was kind of a, a side project uh, next to Lego movie being the main I guess thing. I'm comparing it to Rogue One, like that's the B-side of Star Wars right. movie. And it, I felt completely unsatisfied by that as a product. Well, as this is a product, but it kind of knows that it is, and so that – I don't know. Well, if you look too at the at the cast, and let's let's talk too about about some of the cast. Uh, this is basically, and I'm guessing these are guys that have worked with Chris McKay before. This is basically, for the most part, a small group of of comics uh, who are from sort of the same community. Uh, you know, you got Doug Benson and Kate McCucci and Ricky Lindholm, uh, Jason Manzukis. Like these are these are regulars on a podcasting circuit, and that's fine. Uh, but it's definitely you know that. 
they didn't hire high-profile talent for this. Uh, even Will Arnett, by the way. And Will Arnett was, was inspired in the Lego movie as their choice for Batman, given what they were going with. Uh, but Will Arnett is, and I'm, again, I don't mean to be mean, but he's, he's TV talent. Um, Why? And, 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 no, he was he was a lot of fun, and I, I do, and I don't say disparagingly that he's TV talent because Will Arnett is freaking brilliant on Arrested Development, and I haven't seen that Bojangles cartoon about the horse or whatever Bojack. it is. Jack, I like it. Yeah. first episode. Um, but I, I really do like Will Arnett a lot. I like his comedy, but he's not high profile talent. Uh, nobody goes to see this because it's a Will Arnett movie. Uh, I do. Well, and here's the other thing, too. I was positive while I was watching this that their Joker, and again, it was because of who some of the other people, but I thought their Joker was Patton Oswalt the whole time. I did, too, at first. I, I thought that, too. It never occurred to me once that it was Zach Galifianakis until I looked it up, because Zach Galifianakis is, I mean, I, I guess I would have expected something more distinct, but I don't know yeah, if they didn't write stuff for him. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a terrible Joker, and the Joker's yeah, been a highlight of animated Batmans for a long time, thanks right. partly to the writing and largely to what Mark Hamill's been doing. Mark Hamill, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so this this Batman, I mean, this Joker here that I thought was Patton Oswalt, hugely disappointing to discover, oh, that was Zach Galifianakis? It's a thankless right. role. And it shouldn't be. The Joker should be, you know. The, the, yeah, not, you might have me on that one. It's an emotional role. It's, it's, I mean, I think it's actually done – it's doing interesting things with Joker. I mean, it's creating an interesting relationship between the two. I mean, it's silly. But it's getting interesting. It's an interesting relationship, and there's things that you can do with it emotionally, I think. You can really play with that. But I don't think he has the – you know, as much as I like Zach Galifianakis, I don't know that he has the – it, not everybody can do voice acting. I don't think he, I don't know if, he's a, <laughs> if he has the chops to do that. Dingus, I think you're right. I think you're dead because Zach Galifianakis's deadpan humor is a lot about watching him. It's yeah. about looking at him. Yeah, yeah. So I think you're absolutely right about that. He Dingus. seems really miscast as the Joker too. Like yeah. Patton Oswalt has a natural Joker voice. Well, that too is why I do think you know this is like B-side material. This is like just they they just got. Uh, you know, folks from this this basically circle of comics, and Zach Galifianakis yeah. comes from that group. But Pat uh, Oswalt is part of that group too, that, which is part of why I mm. Pat Oswalt, though. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, Tom. I, and I didn't think about that, but it seemed it does seem like a little bit of a closed circuit. And you know, and, and this is something that Chris uh, Chris Markinson said in his email too. And it, it, you know, that I've mentioned, and I think you've mentioned too, is this this feeling. Um, when you're watching one of these movies that you're constantly thinking, Oh, who's this? Who's this? Who's yeah, this? And yeah. it, and it just gets so distracting. Um, well, you're trying to reach for whose voice is this? And that, you know, when I figured out, I think it's, um, is it Ellie Kemper who does the, who does, uh, who does Phyllis? The, which I would have had no idea about until I looked it up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I figured that out early, but I felt like I was filling out a bingo card during the movie. Because of that, you know. Did you oh, cross yeah, off that. the Did you cross off the Channing Tatum space? Nope, didn't get that one. Yep, did not either. get that one. Which is a shame. Um, if you're going to have Channing Tatum, I mean, you know, but I mean, wait, who was he? I don't. Need, I didn't know he was. Oh, he's Superman. He was he's a Superman. Superman yeah, uh, but it just gets it gets kind of exhausting to me if the movie isn't interesting. It's like, you know, the way you get you like 
people look out for news crawls when you're not interested in a movie. It'd be like having a news crawl for the whole movie um, that you're not interested in because you're you're constantly thinking, well, who's this voice? Who's this voice? Who's this voice? Because it's this this uh, this celebrity voice derby that's going on. But in, but in this case, it's you know. I don't mean to be mean, but B-level celebrity voices, uh, and they're not all very good voice actors. And I know good voice actors, and I know there are actors who could do these parts really well. So I just don't know why you have to do that. It just gets exhausting trying to figure out who's this, who's this, who's this. How did we I feel? Ab- oh, go ahead, Kelly Wand. Just I thought Will Fer- I thought or Will Ferrell thought Will Arnett. Um- like, I thought it was just mainly, it was like a one-man show, and they were all just sort of backing him up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, he's definitely the centerpiece, and there is a lot of Will Arnett. And if you really like that horse cartoon, then I'm sure you would probably be I love supposed it. to like this. Yeah. You know, if you want well, to sit I and trust it, maybe, because I am a Will yeah. Arnett enthusiast. Yeah. But isn't it just a joke about Christian Bale, though? Which one? The, the gravelly his voice. Whole vocal, his whole vocal... Uh-huh performance isn't it just a christian bale joke well Affleck was gravelly and kevin Connolly, the guy who does the animated batman described i think batman always has a gravelly voice and christian bale uh, right. just felt the need to, to to play that up a little bit uh but that yeah i mean one thing it, i liked about batman versus superman movie is that they excused okay. that by by implanting a uh, a vocal resonator in his costume <laughs> All right, so here's a question that I have, which you guys still haven't. I brought this up during Deadpool. What is the deal with the glowy white zombie eyes? I do not understand it. I don't either. I mean, at least, in, and again, this, we're, here we are giving props to Batman versus Superman. They explain it's like his super Superman finding helmet technology. And, oh, even in uh, Dark Knight at the very end. That's right. In Dark Knight at the very end, it's his sonar vision when he is doing that, that sequence where the, the Joker has uh, – has tied up all the people to look like the thugs and all the hostages are tied up to look like, wait, you guys know what I'm talking about. Where Batman's using the sonar in the building Yeah. at the end. Yeah. Uh, so that's that, at least in, in Dark Knight and in Batman vs. Superman, it explains the whited out zombie eyes, but I don't understand that here. Still don't, I don't understand why that's in comic books. I, I love Kelly Wan saying that, you know, bats are supposed to be blind. Um, if if Bruce Wayne were actually blind, I guess that would just make him Daredevil. But right. uh, if, if Bruce Wayne were actually blind, the glowing eyes would make sense. Uh, otherwise, I don't know why Tom, because uh, it just it just like it would call attention to him. Why are you gonna have a totally dark uh, outfit, hide in the shadows, and have your eyes glowing all the time? And the thing is, the eyes have to change shape to show expressions, like Deadpool's. Uh, you know, it's a mm-hmm. whole thing, and that uh, it's obviously from the drawn comics. But I don't know if the comics they just didn't want to give him pupils, or who knows. Uh, interestingly enough, the Marvel universe exists in uh, in the DC universe. Yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure the inverse is true. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a that's really good true. point. I think they just yeah, there are no DC jokes in Marvel. They don't need to make them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they can safely yeah. ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> you guys go ahead. Um, oh, the so, thing that was okay. Never mind. No, go ahead, Kelly. Thing was what? Well, the th- my ver- the thing that was distracting me the way Tom was being bugged by the eyes was that the mouths weren't Lego mouths, but they were like they were human mouths moving. Like Batman's mouth was all super. So, 
the uh, the the folks that make the Lego games are called Traveler's Tales. I seem to recall when they would do, and they had a great sense of humor, and they would do these funny little cutscenes in their their Lego games. And I seem to recall early on they didn't have to cheat and animate the Lego faces. I could mm. be wrong about that, but that was part of the humor: is that all Legos have these unmoving and passive faces, and right. they, they, they could still make jokey cutscenes out of them, and even without dialogue. I know for sure. Early on, Traveler's Tales didn't need to use dialogue <laughs> to make their Lego jokes. And so I'm with you, Kelly Wand. Is that, is that cheating to just give a Lego an animated face? I, I don't know. But I think it's like the, uh, studio executives have this theory that if, if, if anything looks cheap, it's shitty, even if it's funnier. Like, they don't get that. Like, mm-hmm. it would have been funnier if the mouse hadn't been moving. But then right. people go, well... Fucking Warbuds cheap. They didn't even the <laughs> like they're petrified that the, a review's going to say that, and or maybe they just don't like to look at it themselves. They just want to go. Yeah, it looks. Awesome. It also makes me wonder too. Is this an, an example of animators just giving themselves work? Like, is this you know? Mm. They're sure. Like, uh, just, yeah, I don't, I don't know because these, these are of course big multi-studio team efforts. Uh, and maybe no one had the courage to say, you know, we don't need a bunch of fancy animation. Uh, we'll, we'll make funny jokes with just right. regular Lego faces. I don't know. But that was the vibe that was that I liked about the fact that it was a B-side movie. Like, I sort of went in knowing that it was that, and the movie seems to know it's that. And so this, this stable of, like, of TV talent you're talking about, like, I thought that was part of its uh, appeal for me. Sure, okay. And so How that's did- why... The cheap mouths would have helped that too. Like, right. yeah, see, it's just a fucking B-side Lego movie. Time to do the mouths. Uh, how do we feel about all of the pop culture references? Were they too much? Were they enough? Were they good? Were they bad? Uh, what, did you, what, what was your guys thinking on that? Um, I like them because Batman is a weird pop culture phenomenon, and he's not. He's kind of vanilla in a lot of ways, so it's interesting to me that it's still like people still flock to see Batman movies. Like that's worth commenting on uh, in a studio. Well, it's like, kind of it's, it's all that DC has to put. I mean, that and Superman, like poor DC. Yeah, but it's like Marvel. all these movies based on toy lines are coming out, and now at least the movies are going. Yeah, we know it's kind of dumb, so here's some jokes about it. Sure, right, right. Uh, uh, but you're I'm okay cool with that kind of stuff if it's clever, but I don't think it's clever here. I don't think Jerry Maguire is a particularly clever joke. Yeah, it like like doesn't go anywhere. Dinga serendipity, come on. Serendipity, come on. Yeah, that's point. But is he laughing at it? Is he going? I didn't get the joke there too when they break out in laughing at the "You Complete Me." I didn't understand what the joke was there. Are they making fun of it, or are they loving the movie? Like, they're trying to have it both. They're trying to have it both ways. Yeah, exactly. Dingus is right because yeah. the, the joke is that Batman. Craves these. It's it's almost like Anthony Hopkins reading the romance novels in Remains of the Day when Emma right. Thompson finds that out about him, and that's an important character development. It's a very pointed but get, moment. But and he's it, laughing and going, "I love it," and not crying. Well, that that exactly is what I think. Dingus is they don't. It's just they they don't care about character development. They're just going for whatever joke at any given moment. I think uh, mm. they're trying to have it both ways. Is hey, wouldn't it be funny if these? Yeah, he watches these movies because he's lonely, or he watches these movies because he ridicules them. They don't. They don't care. That was a bad movie choice for that joke. I thought. It, I really do. I will say. I mean, I, I'm an easy laugh. I I was I was definitely amused when Jerry Maguire comes on and you see the live action Tom Cruise and Lego Batman. It should have been Volcano, and he's watching Volcano, but like one of the schmaltzy scenes. No one would have gotten that Kelly Wand, <laughs> except when no, no, there's a volcano later in Lego Batman. He's like, oh wait, this is relevant. To but no one would have recognized uh, a scene from the movie Volcano. 
except you. I would. Um, I know. Right. Oh. Uh, here's here's a larger question here, uh, and this comes from our listener Nick D, who who kind of enjoyed it, but says it's he, he describes it as definitely the poor cousin to the Lego movie. Um, uh, he, he asks a couple of questions, and his first question is: there there really isn't anything that makes this a Lego movie. And he says ah. you could pretty you could pretty easily just make this a generic animated Batman spoof without losing anything. There are a few exceptions, but it stands in stark contrast to the Lego movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, they all got to join at the end. like Lego Well, that's, that's the sort of thing he's talking about, is, yeah, there are a couple of moments when they build the Batmobile at the end or whatever. There are a couple or when of he does, like, moments. a mega construction or whatever. Right. right. Uh, I, I guess the script would argue, yeah, see, the whole resolution or the whole point is that they're Legos. Like, the script, the script would probably want that little detail at the moment, how they save the city from splitting in two. Yeah, because Legos plug into each other. Like, they might think, yeah, that's, that merits its being a Lego movie. See? It's super important. Yeah, see? But I'm with Nick. And I, this could have just as easily been an animated Batman. Uh, which, by the way, there are, I've never seen any of them. But I have been told from relatively reliable sources that some of the animated Batmans are, are, are actually good. I've like, heard the, that, too. But yeah. I wonder if they're just saying it's good compared to, you know... Batman Regular animated Batman. Batman stuff, right, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's the case, but I, I can imagine there are probably some out there that I would like more than I like this. And, and that's one of the issues, is that this did not need to be a Lego movie, and unlike the Lego movie, with, I feel, the important bit at the end with Will Ferrell, I don't think it had anything to say about Legos. Uh, mm. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Nick there. I got that's a really good point, actually. You got baked what? And try to watch an animated thing called Planet Hulk, and then go. Oh, there you go. See, that's yeah, that's like an animated Batman movie. And how did it go? Mm, I stopped watching. <laughs> there you go. Enough said, as they say. <laughs> Son, you got a condition. Uh, and then, uh, and then for Nick, the animation lacked character for him. Uh, he, he he's talking about like how they anim- he, what he calls animating the hard stuff. Like water, fire, or smoke, and and saying they didn't bother to give any of those things a Lego treatment. And Kelly Wan's nine-year-old friend made a joke about that: is is light, uh, is is light made of Legos? Which I thought was a hilarious thing that that nine-year-old said. And I think that Nick <laughs> is kind of making that point too. I I think that Brian Kent totally disagrees with him. I think Brian Kent thinks that the animation is is really beautiful in this, but. I think Nick makes a good point that, that it lacks character. Well, and I definitely noticed real water, real smoke, real flame at a certain point. Like, what? Do you guys remember how the Lego Movie handled that stuff? Yeah, Lego Lee. So it was Lego Lee. They didn't use real water, real smoke, and real fire in the Lego Movie, right? I don't think so. Yeah, because I think I would remember that. Maybe they did, but I'd, it definitely stood out for me here. I was like, okay, that's what you're, you're gonna have real flashy water. Yeah. What what Nick Uh, says is that the Lego movie used a much shallower depth of field to give everything a miniature feel, and this movie did not. Ah. Okay, very good. Yeah. 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 I don't know. The visuals were – they weren't Lego enough, I guess. All right. (laughs) Kelly Dingus, we're bringing Kelly Wand around. By the time we're done, he's going to not like the movie anymore. (laughs) I just liked reading it. This movie. 
Uh, I did like hearing Eddie Izzard's voice. I did like recognizing Ray Fine's voice. As much as I kind of hate this celebrity voice derby, I, I like hearing their voices. They're kind of soothing. Um, Who was the six-legged uh, dinosaur? I didn't understand that. Am I dumb? I don't. You, wait, you mean the one that breathes the blue flame? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Know, like I thought it was like a giant creature from the Black Lagoon or something. I didn't yeah, understand that's it either. So uh, that's not someone famous. Well, I also didn't understand Voldemort until I looked it up later. Like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't get Harry Potter references. I don't think. Yeah. Actually, no. I when he understand. said something, he said something like gravitominus or whatever they say. Like, I know in Harry Potter they speak Latin when they cast spells. So at a certain yeah. point he said Latin. I was like, okay, that's a Harry Potter thing. That's why I don't know who that is. Oh, he played Voldemort in the movies. That's the joke, no. right? Ray Fiennes. Oh, Ray Fiennes is the butler. I say, right, right. The Voldemort here was who, Dingus? Eddie Izzard. Oh, oh, oh. They should. Why didn't they swap that around? I know. They already have. Why didn't they try to get Darth Vader in there? All I was distracted by was why are these villains dingus, in here? You, and who's wait? Whose property is this? Yeah, exactly. That's why they didn't property. get Darth, Darth Vader in there. Marvel, oh. Disney. Star Wars, they're they're all one thing now, and that is not Warner Brothers DC. Right. Uh, Warner Brothers, which which they make clear at the beginning with the voiceover of Warner Bros. Why isn't it Warner Brothers? I actually no. enjoyed that. Well, at that point, yeah. I hadn't given up on them. At that point, I was like, okay, right. cute. Let's take this angle. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that too. But it's they definitely, have- it's definitely, yeah. They have Lord of the Rings. They obviously still have the Gremlins. Uh, they have, have Dirty Harry, so they could have used uh, the Scorpio Killer from Dirty Harry. <laughs> one, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, and I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three, Peter Pan, Mary Free, getting down with three feet, everybody loves All right, well, Lego Batman, we're split two to three. Uh, we are a podcast divided, much like the nation. Wait, did you say we're split two to three? Shut up. I can't do math. We're split two out of three being on the right side and one I'm out of three the one. being the equivalent of a Trump supporter. Hmm. Wow. No, I take that, that back. Like that, was way, that was way below the belt. I apologize. Uh, speaking of things below the belt, this is here. <laughs> and, and his electoral support. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, speaking of things below the belt, what is this week's 3x3? Three three? Oh, Jesus. I know, right, Kelly Wand? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Just call me Dingus. Don't, you don't have to refer to me like that. Uh, these are your three favorite tripod landings, also known as three-point landings in movies. Oh, Jesus. All right. Was anything taken yes. off the table? Uh, I don't believe I took anything off the table. I believe I described it improperly the first time, and you corrected me. Because <laughs> I was trying to imagine leg. a landing wherein you land with <laughs> two I'm hands down over. and one knee, like you're a dog peeing on a bush. Yep. So that was an improper way to uh, describe a tripod landing. That would be a three-point landing, though, Dingus. I mean, there are two hands and one knee are three points. So that Certainly, yeah, and if Laika had landed on Earth, I'm sure she would have. Uh, landed that like that, but uh, but the way that superheroes are, it, it's most often done in superhero movies. Land is with you know uh, either two knees or a foot and a knee down, or a, an outstretched leg and a hand down 
but it's it's a very famous thing and, and most and and because I'd watched Thor the Dark World for Kelly's dungeon topic, I was thinking about tripod landings. All right, well, I don't think there's ever really a good example of these because they're for the most part stupid uh, with <laughs> one exception, and this is my number three point, my number three choice, and that's in Deadpool where he makes fun of Gina Carano jumping off of a ruined helicarrier. And he even anticipates, oh, she's going to do a superhero landing, she's going to do it. And then she does it, and he makes fun of it and says it's, like, bad on the knees. That kind of meta-awareness. Uh, and actually, I like this topic because I rewatched Deadpool, and uh, Deadpool is just still hilarious. I really like that, that meta-humor and that self-awareness. Um, and stuff going down to Lego Batman after seeing Deadpool, by the way. They should make a Lego Deadpool. Oh, it's R-rated and everything. Yeah, with pegging. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, the Deadpool is RG. my G. Look at Tom G. using the term de- using the term pegging. I'm so proud of you. Well, I learned it, and I Aww. feel like I should use it. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, that that poor we um, we must have mentioned it. That poor Monica Barracchino or whatever. She's she's kind of a weak link. I feel bad saying that, but in, 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 in the movie, yeah, yeah. He should have another a different girlfriend, a better girlfriend. I mean, I apologize to her. That's mean, but. He should get a better girlfriend. Deadpool should. So at any uh, rate, um, so you watch Deadpool again? Yeah, of course. Deadpool's awesome. Deadpool's a lot um, of fun. I've been curious about this. Is she actually a hooker that he picks up, or is yeah. no? She's a legitimate yeah. hooker, and he buys her. He pays for her. Yeah. All right. Because I, I thought then he gets in look in thinking back on it, I was thinking, well, maybe this is just a game they play. No, no, no. It's it. No, he, she's definitely a hooker. I mean, this is an R-rated movie thing. Because they can do that stuff. They can have hookers be hired. Wait, it was R. I thought it was PG for for certain situations and uh, strong language. Certain rated, situations. Rated R for uh for pegging and and I'm sure there's smoking in it at some point. Uh, so in the comics. None of you guys chose Deadpool the, as a as your favorite three point landings when Gina Carano lands. Huh. All right. Oh. Very disappointed in both of you. I didn't even know Gina Carano was in that movie. Yeah, of course that was her. How dare you? She, I her, know. Her, just her breast is it? Her breast is in that movie. Colossus sees that we, the audience, don't. We do um, not get to see it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Deadpool. Uh, she's That's so why beef- they call him Colossus. Uh, she's so beefy in that. Oh my God, she's huge. Mm-hmm. Did you think she picked the wrong car in that movie? Like Haywire, <laughs> right? Gosh, Kelly, Wan- you know, I want—I should rewatch. I should have rewatched Haywire to see if there are any yeah. landings in that. Yep. I did watch. Can I say things that do not have three-point landings? I watched through the fight scenes in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Ang Lee knows well enough that three-point landings are stupid and not to have them. It's a uh, white people thing. Why are they stupid? You, you have okay, hands-free? Yeah, well, because you don't you, – if you have a three-point landing and you're not doing it because there's something in your other hand, it's stupid. And that is I'm what always most, something in my other hand. Yeah, yeah see. That is see, what oh. most three-point landings are, is my number – my second favorite – well, we'll get to this. But most three-point landings are stupid because – there's no reason to hold your hand out like that unless there's like a sword or something in it. And that's why I was looking through Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon to see if anybody ever does a three-point landing because a lot of times they're holding swords and whatnot. And no, nobody ever bothers with one. So that's my issue with three-point landings is it's just showboating unless you, you aren't – because there's, unless there's something in that offhand. It's bad on the knees, but it preserves your nuts. That's <laughs> it. Very good. Very good that's kind of my raison d'etre. 
Well, Kelly Wand, what is your third favorite three-point landing, and is someone holding something in the offhand? I was while I was watching it, but not the character. My number three is when Trinity in Matrix uh, jumped off a motorcycle and did one. And that was, like, I think the first one I saw. Well, you saw one before then, because that's my number two pick. I guess we could bring these up. Uh, There had been one earlier in the movie. And it was a three-point landing because, oh, the dude has a gun in his hand, so he's using it to hold himself up. That's that's actually probably the first time, I don't know that that we in the movie going public saw it, but that's certainly, I I think, one of the earliest instances of it being sort of highlighted and probably – it's probably something, too, from Hong Kong cinema. I don't know. But the, when the Wachowski brothers had Agent Smith landing, doing the three-point landing, because he's got a gun in one hand, it looked really cool. And they knew what they were doing. They framed it nicely, and they called attention to it. Uh, Wait, isn't that after? It's actually, it's actually Agent – it's not Agent Smith. It's Agent Brown. And that's my number three. Yeah. Wait, Agent – I thought they were – wait, Agent – who's Agent Smith? Agent Smith is – Steve no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Hugo Weaving is Agent Smith, right? No? Yeah, that's Hugo Weaving. No, it, it's the other guy who looks like Dwight from The Office running after her. He does that awesome three-point landing on the roof when he's chasing her in that in that opening sequence. That's not, that's not Hugo Weaving? No, no. Oh, that's really the other bummed. guy. And I think it's Agent uh, okay. Brown. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong, but it's it's the other dude, the guy. Again, he reminds me of Dwight from The Office does, for some reason. Does Agent Smith, does Hugo Weaving not show up early on when they have Trinity in the in the hotel and he's like they're no. all dead? No, he are, he does. He's like, oh, yeah, he's the guy who shows up, but the guy who chases her across the rooftop and does that awesome tripod landing, which is shown from the front and from, but mainly from the side. It's a right, really they cool frame shot. it. Yeah, they frame yeah. it. They know how cool it looks. And, yeah. and he does have that whatever that gun is. I don't know what the gun is uh, in his hand. And you're right. And that's why I was excited that you said, is, and unless they have something in their hand, I'm like, oh, yay, I've got my number three. He has something in his hand. Yep. Um, he's got that gun there, and he lands just perfectly. But it's it's not it's not Smith. It's, it's the other dude. Oh, well, I'm disappointed. I was going to give Hugo Weaving credit for one of the – for basically founding the three-point landing for American cinema audiences. Hers is still first, though, because when she jumps off the motorcycle, that's before you even meet the agents. It's not like the first when thing did, you say. When did she? No, you haven't that? even met her yet. <laughs> when have I don't even know when the Trinity motorcycle thing happens. When does that happen? Isn't she? Here's what I remember. Maybe I'm dumb. She like is riding a motorcycle, and then she flies a motorcycle into a building, and it blows up the building, and she jumps off it, and then it's like the least motivated tripod landing ever because she's yeah. just jumping off a motorcycle. Motorcycle, and then yeah, she but, like a split. But how, that how in the is first it, movie? Yeah, in the first movie, yeah. Kelly Wand, we see uh, the, before we know what's going on, we see some cops pull up to like a a, right. a, a seedy hotel yeah. kind of place, and Agent Smith and this brown guy Dingus is talking about. They come up to the cops, and they're like, uh, "What's going on?" And the cops are like, "Yeah, we have someone holed up in there. Uh, we sent in some men." What should we do? And one of them says, oh, they're already dead. And they go inside, and that's where you first see Trinity, right? She's all right, in the leather right. and in, in the that flashlight. Awesome, in that awesome outfit, and you see her from the back. Well, yeah. she's, first she's sitting down, and then she stands up and puts her hands behind her head. So she definitely has not been doing motorcycle stunts not, previously in the movie. I don't even know what scene you're talking about. I know Kelly Wan, I know Kelly Wan has one, right? Yeah, I mean, I know there is one. I don't remember. Oh. It might be. Is it? Could it be from one of the sequels, Kelly Wand? No. Okay, because I do think it is a... She doesn't jump off a motorcycle in the second Matrix movie. Come on. <laughs> they have a whole freeway chase in that silly movie. 
Yeah, but no buildings get blown up. I don't remember right. that, bro. I don't remember the I don't remember the motorcycle <laughs> thing. I, but I definitely remember the one that Tom's talking about. That that's his number two. Yeah, and my number three. I mean, that that moment is is for me that one of those first tripod things that I remember seeing. Well, well just such and, and and also they they film it in such a way. I mean, one of the things I like about this is, and you're right, Tom. It is a dumb thing. Um, I, I like to think of it as as the the reason they're landing that way is so that they can then pounce. But <laughs> I know that's stupid, but I like the way that <laughs> pounce. This, the way that this scene is shot so that you, you kind of feel the concussion of him landing. Right. Right. To show that it's somehow superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. And in slow motion, I land slowly, but it's also the, the well, the idea is that you're spreading, you're spreading out the force of the landing so that it doesn't, if you were just to land on your legs, it would just be shattering up through your bones. Whereas if you're trying to spread it over three different limbs and spread out the energy of the landing. <laughs> is that physically, is that sound in a physics sense? If it was ergonomically desirable, people would do it in real life, but they never try to land in real life. I do that whenever I get out of bed. Because that, that it works for four-legged animals, but I don't think your arms are, are lo- load-bearing uh, structures. Like and if you're, if you're well, a three-legged animal, we should animal, revisit this on our physics podcast. <laughs> uh, I can't wait till Thursday. Well, uh, Kelly Wan, that brings us to your second favorite three-point landing. What do you have for us? My number two is Superman and Man of Steel, because that's when I realized it's just a douche pose, because he could land any way he wants, and as, and his knees are super powerful. So if he's doing it, people just, it, it's, it proves that he's a douchebag person. Showboating, yeah, exactly. He's not just like a Segway. Yeah, it's a superhero's version of Like the a Segway? Like those yeah. things that you ride? Yeah. Like a douchey thing, you know? I guess so. Are there, eh, okay, fair enough. But I th- okay, do, do people riding segways though think they look cool? Because I know that people doing tripod landings think yeah. they look cool. People riding segways think they look cool. Justin Bieber thinks he looks cool riding a segway. Don't you think he does? Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, all right, okay. So would Kelly, you, would you rather see Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake ride a segway? I have an answer for that. Hmm. Tom. I choose Justin Timberlake. I would rather see Justin Timberlake doing anything. That's the right answer. Yeah. Kelly, one, did, you get that, did you get that right, or, or did you get that wrong, that answer? Justin Timberlake. <laughs> no, I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, my second favorite is the uh, agent. I thought it was Agent Smith, but it's apparently Agent Brown uh, from the I don't Matrix. know. I don't know for sure that it's Brown, but I think it's Brown. That's I mean, tell. It's, it's what can Brown do for you? I'm very. I'm gonna be very sad if it if it is not Hugo Weaving because I want Hugo Weaving to be the founder of the three point landing. Mm-hmm. So Kelly Wand, did we get your second favorite yet? Yeah, Superman, bro. All right, okay. So Dingus. Oh no, it's my. It's time for my first favorite. No, no, it's time for my number two. Oh yeah, yeah. Dingus, we don't want his head. Yeah. You know, what'd be All funny right. is if Superman to be funny, like just plowed into the like pretended to trip and then did like a comedy landing, like his face just digs a furrow into the street, like oh. Superman pratfall, sure. I'd love yeah. that. Yeah. Just like what if what if Jack Tripper was Superman? Was from Krypton? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a Jerry Lewis Superman. 
Well, I think that our Nick Cage Superman might have been close if that had never happened. <laughs> yeah, he's not acting, though. I'm Superman, the return of Nick Cage. <laughs> Nick Cage. All right, Dingus, your second favorite three-point landing would be from right, my re- Midnight my, my second one also honors Tom's arbitrary you-have-to-have-something-in-your-hand rule. Good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, which is my topic, so I should be able to do arbitrary rules, but I, I, I kind of honor this uh, because I love this landing so freaking much. I knew I was going to choose one of this guy's landings, even though Iron Man sucks. So uh, yeah, He never has something in his hand when he does it. Oh, yeah, he does. What does he have in his hand? His hand is a weapon. Hello? He's got. Oh, my God, no. There's no reason. Oh, that's not the same thing as holding something. His hand it's... is still a hand that he could use to support himself if he landed. No, so but he has to have – his hand is just as much a weapon as that – as Agent Brown having that gun, that uh, Mountain Eagle no, gun. No, it's not because the thing is if, you have, if you're holding a gun, you can't put your hand down. Like you would break your wrist. But if he's landing in front of uh, an imminent threat that he might have to uh, use his pulsar okay. thing. Okay, I, 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 will, I will give you that, that he's using his – only if he uses his repulsor beam the moment he lands. Yeah. Well, he has to be able to be able to use it. <laughs> so my favorite is is in the Avengers. It's you know it's right before he says make a move, reindeer games, and it's when he comes in and I just I just love this moment so freaking much uh, when he comes in to save uh, Captain America and uh, when Loki's in the square in Stuttgart in I forget what country. Kelly, do you know what country Stuttgart is in? Um, I don't uh, pay attention to countries without a um, a monument. <laughs> okay, um, and when he comes in to the scene uh, playing his uh, signature music, and he lands in that courtyard where Loki has gotten all of the German citizens to kneel before him, and he's just a, and he's trying to make Captain America kneel before him, uh, and Captain America and, uh, and Iron Man lands. I love that landing. I love that landing so much, partly because of the context of the scene and the and the music, and and just the way that at this point in their relationship, uh, I'm still uh, I'm still on Team Iron Man and Team uh, uh, Captain America. It, it's the same team at that point. And it makes me very happy. Uh, but I love the way he he lands, and I think that it's entire, entirely justifiable because his hands are weapons, no. and so he might as well uh, be holding a weapon or holding something and have to have his hand up. Okay, so uh, we mentioned Toy Story two earlier, a perfect movie. I also think The Avengers, a rare perfect movie, and <laughs> here is why. The, was that Kelly Wan or Dingus who just had that an was Kelly Wan. of breath? Kelly yeah. Wan just did the snort. Yeah. Uh, so here's Dingus why I, I, I think the fact that a three-point landing when you don't have something in your hand is stupid does not impact the Avengers being a perfect movie. We know Tony Stark is a showboater. Of course he does that. <laughs> not for functional reasons. He's exactly the kind of guy who would do a three-point landing while playing his own soundtrack, playing his own intro music. Like he invented <laughs> Iron Man just so he could do a three-point landing. I wouldn't be surprised, and he, yeah. So that in the ACDC, I mean, it's all part of consistent characterization that Joss Whedon gives us in this perfect movie. So Tony Stark is exactly the kind of guy who would do, as Kelly Wan calls it, a douchebag landing, as I would call it, showboating, as Dingus would defend it. Well, you might have to use his repulsor beam. Uh, so <laughs> it does. Avengers still a perfect movie. Suck it, Kelly Wand. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. Speaking of it, tripods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're with me, tweet out hashtag Team Tom. If you're with Kelly Wand, hashtag Team Kelly. Hashtag suck at Kelly Wand. Yep, that's right. <laughs> All right, now it is time for, where are we? You're yeah, on okay. number one. The best bar none three-point landing in a movie is actually a three-way three-point landing. Whoa. It is absolutely showboating. None of these three people has anything in his or her hands. And the director himself is showboating. Uh, the movie's already terrible. It's been terrible for about 90 minutes at this point. Uh, but it's kind of an enjoyable terrible. And I, I, I'm not sure I realized that until I, I watched it again this week. But... Uh, these these three chicks have just jumped out of a B twenty five into the oh middle my of a, God. into the middle of a courtyard full of orcs. Uh, you got Jenna Malone, you got uh, uh, Abby Cornish, and mm. you got cute little Emily Browning, and they're basically cosplayers at this point. I mean, Aww. let's face it. And they land, and Zack Snyder's like, yeah, you know, it would be cool if they land in unison. In a three-point landing, as if it's basically like a video game where the animators were too cheap to do a unique animation for each character model. So they just use the same animation for all three character models. <laughs> That's what's going on when Zack Snyder's like, yeah, let's have three of these chicks do a three-point landing. Uh, so it's a nine-point. It's very good, Kelly Wand. It is a nine-point landing, and it's three super hot chicks showboating, and I'm okay with that. It's, the movie's already been ridiculous for, like I said, 90 minutes or so. Uh, it's exactly the perfect place for a ridiculous three-point landing. What you know what the name of the movie? Three-point landing on me. Oh, did it, it's Sucker Punch. I'm sorry, did I not say no. that? Yeah. No. S- Sucker Punch. Say it right. No. Sucker Punch. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Tom. Which I enjoyed watching a second time. Why? So you watched you did. Again? You watched that thing again? Oh, yeah. man, that's awesome. Uh, it's a, it really is Zack Snyder just having being completely – well, here's the deal. Zack Snyder gets all sort of turgid and dark and serious in Batman vs. Superman, and good lord is it dull. It, Sucker Punch, he's more like, oh my god, this kid is ridiculous. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, this makes no sense. But but Sucker Punch has some, some very attractive women. It's got some kind of unique visual stuff going on. Uh, and and once, you re- once you go in knowing uh. you're going to watch a laughably bad showgirls – quality level movie uh, mm-hmm. I think Sucker Punch is kind of fun that movie made did me feel say, like wait whoa 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 did you just say it's kind of fun absolutely Sucker Punch <laughs> no I don't <sighs> say that that movie made me feel like Zack Snyder was John Hamm and I was like the girl at the end <laughs> and I'd forgotten too that it, it, that whole thing where uh Abby Cornish is Jack Nicholson to Emily Browning's Indian chief. I was like, wow, I forgot that that's how it ends. Yeah, that's uh, right. Mm. So how do you feel about uh, my objection about the Where's Your Mind music? Oh, my God, that drives me crazy, though. So I mentioned an awesome movie last week called The Woman, where I hated Lucky McKee's music in that. So, and, and I was like, I would like to have a cut of The Woman with just no music in it. If Lucky McKee is going to screw it up with that soundtrack, just take it out and let me have a cut without the music. I want to have a cut of Sucker Punch where instead of all those terrible cover songs and they don't have, they do Search and Destroy which is, uh, is it Stooges or Iggy Pop? But during that three-point landing, yeah. the song Search and Destroy is playing, but it's a cover. For whatever reason, Zack Snyder didn't get the original songs. I want a cut of Sucker Punch where it's the original Where Is My Mind, the original Sweet Dreams from the Eurythmics. Uh, oh, Sweet the, Dreams is, I forgot that. 
It's original. Oh, holy cats! I have to listen to that almost every day because my kid loves it because of the uh, Quicksilver thing in the last uh, X Men movie. And they probably didn't use a cover. They probably used the original Arrhythmics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, White Rabbit is in there. Uh, yeah. So it I, do a cut. If someone do a cut on the internet uh, of Sucker Punch with the with the actual original songs and not those terrible cover bands that that Zack Snyder got. Right. Also, uh, I will say. Uh, good Lord, Emily Browning is just so freaking adorable. And I just want to highlight, she's got the most – Zack Snyder is so fixated, and I share his fixation, on her lovely little thighs. She is such a cute girl. And here's another funny thing. Emily Browning, I love this about her. There's a movie called Sleeping Beauty, which I think is really good. And Kelly Wan, have you seen – not the Disney cartoon, but have I you seen the, the movie? Book. Oh, there's a book, Sleeping Beauty? Well, it's a fairy tale. No, no. This is this weird, dark, psychosexual, uh, uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, kind that's of... a fairy tale. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, in Stupid Beauty, one of the things that is clear about Emily Browning, which I love, and which unfortunately Sucker Punch wants to hide, I found it maleficent to read. Uh, her her ears stick out. She uh-huh. just. Really cute. cute little sticking out ears, and in Sucker Punch, she's always wearing like a headband that holds them in. Oh. And it reminded oh. me of in Neon Demon. There's a great moment where uh, I think it's Bella Heathcote is the actress is talking to uh, L Fanning, the the, the minor Fanning, uh, about all the plastic surgery she's had, and she lists amongst the plastic surgery she says uh, that she has her she had her ears pinned. And Elle Fanning is like, why did you have your ears pinned? And Bella Heathcote says to her, as if it's the most obvious thing in the world, well, it's so I can wear ponytails. <laughs> because because oh. pulling your hair back in a ponytail, it's, yeah, it would, if your ears stick out, it would, it would bring attention to that. And so cute little Emily Browning has got like these little pigtails and ponytails throughout the movie, but Zack Snyder puts a headband on her to kind of pin the top of her ears down. And I was, I was, I was very sad about that in Sucker Punch. So here's Rock a ponytail. Obama. Go on. <laughs> Sorry, no, your joke, your joke supersedes mine. Does it? No. I don't. Doesn't Emily Browning sing the "Where's My Mind" song? Uh, I don't think so, but I will tell you guys something else about Sucker Punch that will make you want to rewatch it. Do you guys remember that crazy long Oscar Isaac and uh, uh, shoot, not Gina Carano, Dad Gummit? Who's the other? Uh, Carla Gugino or whatever. Carla Gugino, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys remember their long musical number? No. no. It is Baz Luhrmann worthy. So <laughs> it, 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 I'd forgotten this is in there. A stupid – so Love is a Drug, isn't that like a uh, – oh, shoot. What's that Vegas singer's guy's name? Uh, but Tom Love, Jones. Yeah, isn't it a Tom Jones song, Love is a Drug? They do a super long musical number with dancing girls and everything and crazy choreography. Oscar Isaac and Carla Gigida, uh of Love Love is a Drug. It is amazing. Like, it's great. I was like, wow, Zack Snyder, I forgot you'd given me this. Now that I have all the more appreciation for Oscar Isaac, you know, in a, in a post-ex machina world, this is a great thing to see again. Uh, so there you go. I'm now, I'm now, I think, a sucker punch apologist. Well, I'm not for sure Emily Browning sang one of the songs. Uh, I think, well, so you, do you remember the whole conceit for uh, the fantasy sequences? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, I, I very vividly remember the movie. I, I'd forgotten the tripod sequence or the nine pod sequence that you're talking about. But, uh, so, yeah, but I yeah, I definitely remember that. 
so I don't, I don't think if she had sung, we would get to see it, just like we never get to see her dance because we only see in her head. So she might, like, sing a couple of the words or sing along with it, but I don't – it's not like a musical number like the Oscar Isaac one. I know, but I thought that part, one of the things that they'd said in the marketing of the movie was that she was on the soundtrack. But maybe I'm well, just – she did the cover that. song, you're saying. I did not yeah, realize the, that. that she okay. did the cover song. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, she might have. I didn't I – didn't. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the case. She doesn't sing it in the, in the context of the movie. Um, All right. I might just be crazy about something. No, that just that makes her and her little ears all the more adorable. Uh, I don't remember musical numbers in that movie. It is, uh, it's, silly, it's seriously crazy. It's like, yeah, Oscar Isaac singing and dancing. If you like this dancing in Ex Machina, you should check out Sucker Punch. <laughs> Rated R. No, I do like, like it when I see something I didn't like years later and go, wait, now I like it. Yeah. That happens so, sometimes. All right, so if anyone wants to join me in being a Sucker Punch apologist, uh, just tweet to uh, hashtag Team Tom. <laughs> but is it because maybe his work since Sucker Punch was lamer even? No, definitely that is part of it, Kelly Wan. That is definitely part of it, is you're watching it thinking, why couldn't he have been this seriously ridiculous in Batman versus Superman? <laughs> yeah. It's at least an original vision. Because that was after Sucker Punch that they started calling him visionary. Right. And this is definitely, I mean, this is definitely a, it's something from the mind of a 14-year-old boy who just assumes that women think the same way he does. So if Mm -hmm. they close their eyes and fantasize, naturally it's about killing a bunch of orcs and uh, steampunk Nazi zombies and riding a train. Uh, with a helicopter. Like, that's definitely... Zack Snyder thinks that that's what women think about. Maybe a couple do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's why I like this topic, is I got to watch Sucker Punch again and think, oh, that wasn't that awful. And seriously, that three-point landing is so ridiculous that they all three do it. And there's and, and there's nothing in their hands. I mean... So there, there's a three-point landing. I almost chose this, but then I w- started watching the rest of Sucker Punch and watched it all the way through the end and saw this. The first combat scene where she fights the crazy Terry Gilliam samurai giants, um, she does a three-point landing where she does it out of necessity because she's jumping out of the way, like the very first combat move. Because this movie is also largely about stringing up cute little Emily Browning to do a bunch of wire work. Like, the wire work is so obvious in this. So early on, her first combat move is a wire work jump away from one of those Terry Gilliam samurai weapons where she lands with a three-point landing because she's got her sword in her other hand. Uh, and that's plenty, uh. but I didn't pick it because the outrageous one later in the movie supersedes it. But there is a practical, there is one practical three-point landing in Sucker Punch. All right, when they all like, do it, that means they watched her do hers earlier, and now they all know how to do it. I like that, Kelly Wanda. I like now you're already going down the sucker punch rabbit hole with me. Hard G. <laughs> Kelly Wanda, what's the best three-point landing in all of cinemadom? Uh, I think I was a dumbass earlier, and it was Matrix Reloaded, and that's Trinity's introduction in that movie. Because now oh, I just what remember. Was, what was your number three-point Your number three three-point landing? Ma- uh, Trinity, <laughs> the Matrix. What's, he's, what's your number? He's, he's retconning his number three. Yeah, oh, I'm retconning his number three. <laughs> I see. A little asterisk. I think I made a mistake. All right. It's still my number three, but I think I got the wrong movie. That's okay. You know, they're all, they all kind of blend together because the, 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 the second and third are easily as good as the first, so I understand the confusion. 
And they originally wrote it as one long novel, and then they broke it into three parts. Right. That's... <laughs> uh, this is the one I might get pulled over on, but in War of the Worlds... I knew it. I knew it. Oh, Jesus. Really? I was going to do that, too, while I hated this topic, but then I watched Super uh, Sucker Punch and loved this topic. Go ahead, Kelly Wan. I can't wait to see you thrown in jail, because I almost fell prey to this. Well, it's not its not a joke so much, because when you first see the first tripods in War of the Worlds, there's this one shot of one of them, like, jumping up in the air there and then landing. Yeah, there is one of them jumps. Where do they come from, Kelly Wan? Do they come from the space or do they come from underground? Yeah. But as I'm saying, he jumps I off. I think they've already they landed. Yeah, but then and he the jumps ones, up. The ones in uh, the, the 1950s whatever War of the Worlds, which, by the way, I think is really cool for a grandpa movie. Uh, yeah. Those aren't even tripods, right? They're little floaty things. That's got the best laser sound. From it the does, doesn't it? God, that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It's a horrible awesome. Let's hear that again, Kelly. One, let's try that one more time. No, no, no. It's you, 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 you. It's like that. That was good, Kelly. Wand. You know what? Leave it to Kelly. Wand to do a good impression when we don't expect it. Yeah. Wait, that's from the original movie. Yeah, yeah. that laser sound. When we did our favorite sound effects way back when, I remember right, that was one of my picks. What's the What's Super the sound Alice. from the from the new movie? Oh God, what sound did they make in the new movie? It, like, be like, it just goes boom. Well, they have. Uh, well, they have a. Don't they have a, like a foghorny sound? That's oh, not their gun sound, though. No, no, it's not their gun, but that's their like iconic sound effect. The gun supposedly. sound. It sounds like a fart. So wait, so Kelly Wand, you're picking the Steven Spielberg it War of the Worlds, like they, where they come from underground, and you're making the claim that at one point in the movie, a tripod jumps up in the ground and lands. Yeah, jumps up in the air. Lands. I mean. Yeah, and it lands silently, and that's what's scary about it. Because in all the other movies, when there's a tripod landing, it makes a big noise. Like, when, this, when does this happen? In the first encounter. No, first encounter. In where it rises up around in the crowd in New Jersey? Yeah. You see one going up in the air. Is he right? Piece of it. No, I couldn't care less. He's in jail. <laughs> I mean, he'll right. be in jail for the rest of the week. He knew what I meant. <laughs> I know, around. But... No, no. Permission to count the witnesses right. hostile. You're going into jail. I, Goodbye. Have I'm a nice week in jail. Goodbye. Kelly, I was trying to be your defense attorney there because I was thinking if one does jump up and land, but I don't recall it jumping up. I thought – You have to watch it. I guess does it kind of erupt out of, out of the ground because I know people are looking at the ground cracking, and I, I'm forgetting how it actually emerges. It's up in the air, and that's what's – it's a really freaky part is because you go, wait, they can fly too? That's fucked up. And then you don't hear it land, even. It just flies up really slowly. I might be, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, just should, I should have called it just a three-point landing and just avoided this. And my mis- that was my mistake, but you're still going to jail. Goodbye. What? Because the law is written imprecisely. No, because you knew exactly what I meant, and you just were screwing around. Go. Go. What? Get in jail. I that's why I like it. Kelly, I'll come visit you in jail, and we can reminisce about how cool that scene is. It's a silent three-point landing. You know what? Yeah? I'm going to bring a copy of Sucker Punch. If I thought it was dumb, it would have been my number three. (laughs) 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 Which was a movie you didn't even know which movie it was. Objection sustained. Well, yeah, that's a good point, too. All right, Dingus, show Kelly on how it's done. What's your favorite tripod landing? Ooh! (laughs) All right, my favorite is... uh, So... uh, 
I've had to watch um, – my kid has to do uh, a book report, which is reading a a play. This this time his book report is reading a play. Um, But the teacher said he can read a screenplay. Wait a minute. What? Yeah, the thing they have to do for their presentation. So anything but a book. (sighs) I don't like this teacher. Well, I do Um, because uh, we've done – we've already done a play. Uh, earlier this year, we read, uh, I think, um, oh, The Odd Couple. We read that. Um, Had a Gobbler's Good. And I believe that you have to read plays out loud with kids. Otherwise, plays don't make any sense. Uh, and so I, and so part of the assignment is having to do a speech, having to do a monologue from it. It can be 30 seconds to a minute, basically, is what the monologue has to be. And so I said, well, can you do a screenplay? And I said, make sure with your teacher that you can. And she was like, yeah, that's totally cool. I said, well, what speech? If any speech you could do, what speech would you do? And I I had in mind exactly what speech I thought he would want to do, but they didn't say it. And he said exactly that speech. And it was uh, Star-Lord's speech to... Uh, his compatriots to get them excited um, to go into battle with him at the uh, in the last act of Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, we've been watching Guardians of the Galaxy, and I've been teaching him this monologue so that he has to memorize it, he has to be able to perform it, and he has to have a costume for it. Um, so in watching Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, are there any uh, tripod landings in this? I was hoping there were because I love this movie so much. Um, and my favorite one uh, of what we've seen in the movie so far is uh, is Gamora's three-point landing. Uh, the, I, if I would have given you a quote, I would have said, who put the six of their butts? But anyway, when they're escaping the, pres- the, the prison, nowhere, um, not nowhere, uh, uh, the kiln, the kiln, kiln is the name of the prison, uh, she's up on this uh, gantry, she's jumping, she does this really cool jump and, and a lot of this is CG but she kicks this guard with both her feet in the face and then she lands in this tripod landing after kicking him in the face uh, and she's just basically prepared to punch the next person who comes at her uh, and I, I just love that character and I loved I, I'm loving doing this monologue with my kid because you have to kind of look at what each character wants because what Star-Lord is talking about is them being losers because they've lost things. And you have to think about uh, what has each one of them lost? What part of normal life has each one of them lost? And I love that moment where she kicks this guard with both of her feet and lands. Um, Because she's kicked him with both of her feet, she has to land down on her feet and brace herself with one hand. Why one hand? What's in her other hand? What's in her other hand? Her fist. Gamora, I'm so disappointed in Zoe Saldana. (laughs) Oh, I I love her in this. Do you know why Guardians of the Galaxy is... I love Guardians of the Galaxy so much. You know why it's not a perfect movie, though? I'm that weird bit where uh, uh, Bautista, what's his first name? Steve, Ron, David. David, no. Yeah, Dave Dave Bautista. Where he does that bit where he calls her a whore. And his whole thing is that he's literal about everything. Mm-hmm. It but just makes no sense. Worker. Yeah, well, get that line out of there. Why does James Gunn leave that in there? Otherwise, it would be a perfect movie. Get that out of there. Uh, it's a funny line, line, but it's unmotivated. It's unmotivated. It's it doesn't fit. With, yeah, it doesn't fit with his whole character point. It's Why? a non sequitur. Yeah, so 
So can someone on the internet make a cut of Guardians of the Galaxy for me that has that line removed? Or just make her a whore so the line works. Exactly. Well, <laughs> well he, he, why is that? She's she's selling herself to do something, right? Uh, Diggis uh, is trying to make her a whore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, well, that's how he looks at it, and he. But he also refers to Star Lord as man who is laying with an Escavarian. I mean, he he just he he talks about people as the last thing he thinks thing. of them. Do you believe that Gamora is a whore? Whether or not I believe that doesn't make any difference. I don't believe that something that goes over my head is something I can grab. I mean, that has nothing to do with that. Or did legitimately sleep. Like if, if you if you describe characters literally in Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Lord did sleep with an Evanarian or whatever she was. Uh, but in any literal sense Lane. of the word whore, Lane. Yeah, she did, did lay with her. In any literal sense, oh Lane. So by the way, if he's using lay with her. Biblical language, whore is pretty specifically a sex worker. I don't think in the Bible whore is used figuratively. Obviously, Dave Bautista's character, very much into biblical passages, I'm sure. Mm. And whores. Maybe. Yeah, I just don't I, – I, I appreciate your attempt, Dingus, but that doesn't work for me. That's not going to work. Maybe he's just dumb. I don't like that either because you can still be dumb and literal. I'm just saying it would be a perfect movie <laughs> if James Gunn had just not done that. All right. Um, He'll get a second chance in the sequel. It's not over yet. I mean, as a line, it works, but not for uh, not for the characters, because <laughs> she's not a whore and he's not set up as that dub. Right. I guess. Well, he's not he, set up as call it thinking all women are whores or just her. Maybe that's just the name in his culture for any woman like that. No, <laughs> no. Like I think it's more about like the rival, like you know, whore. Female. I think it's more about anger and vengeance than it is about uh, misogyny. It's just he wants to kill her because he wants to kill her because her family killed his family. Right, and since he's such a literal character, why doesn't he say that? Like, that's his whole shtick, is he doesn't understand metaphor. Ah, okay. It would have worked better as a racist joke. Because then he go, called her greenie. Yeah. Does he understand, like, racial epithets, though? No, but that's why that would be. That's why that would work. But he has to know what a whore is if he's going to sling it around. But if he just goes, "Don't call my green friend that." Well, all I can say is no mistakes like that were made in Toy Story Two, or Jaws, or Chinatown, or Lego or, Batman. No, or the Avengers. Mistakes like that were made in Lego Batman, where it was in there just for the joke, whether it was consistent with the character or not. One of the problems I had with Lego Batman, but perfect movies don't do that. Otherwise, Guardians of the Galaxy was up for consideration. Nah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Sorry. Thing is, what, consideration what, for perfection. Yeah. Well, it's like a, it's like a canonization. Like, it's like when you, when you make someone a saint. It's got to go through a rigorous process. It takes a while. Generally, yeah. they, they have to be dead. And the same thing. The movie has to have been out for a while, which is like being dead. Isn't that the only prerequisite? For being a saint? Yeah. Oh, my God. That would give Catholics so many choices. I know, right? Dingus, what three-point landings have the listeners submitted? Well, Paul Weimer has submitted, uh, Hi, guys, I decided to avoid taking a fall on this topic. Oh, what's that mean? By avoiding superhero movies for my choices. Wow, let's hear how this goes. All right, number three in iRobot, the robotic Sonny, Alan Turdick. Uh, Okay, yeah. Kelly, Kelly One doesn't approve. What's wrong, Kelly? 
Just think about that movie. Escaping from the lab after a murder jumps down ten floors to the lobby, landing in a three-point landing that shatters the floor in the process. What's he holding um, in his offhand, Paul Weimer? Yeah. Uh, I was told, I think, by uh, by our friend Alexandra that that's a really good story. I don't, I I couldn't stand the movie, but I don't remember reading. I Robot. Yeah. Ew. Gross. Oh, I seen the Asimov one. The Asimov story. Yeah. It's like a collection of stories. It's a bunch of different yeah, robot stories. But I but she. She spoke very highly of it, and I remember just yeah, going okay. ooh because cause I couldn't stand the movie. Oh, yeah, the movie has nothing to do with it, yeah. Right. All right. The movie's okay. just uh, – isn't it Alex Proyas, the crow guy? Who is it? I think so. And well, also, I, would, I would call him now, the Dark City guy. Well, I would call him the Gods of Egypt guy these days. Yeah, good point. The stories are like ro- logic problems because there's three laws of robotics, yeah, right. and the robots keep getting tripped up on one or the other. And then smart humanist goes, yeah, okay, see – we programmed him dumb because of this. <laughs> and then you go, oh, the future. And that's where you want Will Smith to play the lead role in a story but like that's that. But that's, right. that's not the way she described it. She described it more as uh, as interesting logic puzzles. Yeah. No, that's true. But in the book, it's like an old white man. And then in the movie, it's uh, Bridget Moynihan. Okay. So I do approve of that casting, by the way. Yeah, that's true. Right, Doctor Susan uh, Calvin. That's her name. <laughs> Nerd. I know. I remember it from the book. Uh, Paul Paul Weimer's number two in Pacific Rim. Oh God! Here we go. Gypsy danger. Gypsy danger mech. Oh, good Lord. Uh, he gets no respect. The gypsy danger mech <laughs> executes a perfect three-point landing from a fall from a tremendous height, having just killed one of the kaiju moments ago. Uh, anime, haha. <laughs> anime, haha. Um, I would like to make you a T-shirt, Kelly Wan, that says "Anime, haha." Uh, Paul Weimer's number one choice in The Matrix. At the end of uh. a motorcycle chase, Trinity Carrie Ann Moss jumps off her bike and makes one to the background of her motorcycle, crashing into a building and exploding. Hmm. Kelly Wan, do you think maybe now you're wrong about it being Matrix Reloaded? Yeah, I think it's a different one now. <laughs> Forget what I said the second time. <laughs> Arthur Jovangeli says... By the way, real quick, I just want to say, who is more appropriate for a three-point landing than someone named Trinity? Ah, uh, that's a good one. See, I'm too dumb to even see that. Tom's good at math. He is. <laughs> he is our math expert. Mm-hmm. Tom, I know math. Check. He's the Dr. Ruth Westheimer of math. Isn't it supposed to be, whoa, I know math? <laughs> That's how Tom learned it. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur's number three is the, the man. F- <laughs> Why are you having Alicia Vikander say geometry terms? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because the Oscars are fresh in my head. <laughs> She was so Wait. good in Manchester by the seas. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, what Kelly Wan, the baby. <laughs> Jeez, gotta get the baby. <laughs> I see Manchester by the sea, the light between yeah. oceans. I, I understand now. That took me a moment, Kelly Wand. <laughs> You're welcome, listener, who wrote in during this. <laughs> Paul Weimer. 
listener uh, that we're talking about now is Arthur Jovangeli. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Number three, the man from nowhere. What? What's that? I do not know, but he says, a dude does a tripod landing on the hood of a moving car. Very dangerous, but damn cool. It's got to be Hong Kong cinema, I'm guessing. I remember the dude part, not the car. Been on that day. Um, Arthur's number two, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Ah, oh, oh, it's a good one. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like this one. I don't know what this is. Okay, so Scott Iron and Matthew, Matt. Scott and Matthew Patel, both do these landings simultaneously. I think during their Tekken-style battle. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, the battle between these two is shot to look like it was taken from a fighting game, like Street Fighter, and the flashy three-point landings add to this. I wonder if I rewatched if I rewatched Scott Pilgrim versus the World if I would feel about it the way I feel now about Sucker Punch. Yeah, you'd be an Edgar Wright apologist. Well, he's a Brandon Ruth apologist. Well, who isn't? I mean, come on, look at the guy. And you love vegans. Um, Arthur's number one. Uh, Kelly, I wish you were doing this. Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Oh! (laughs) They did do Final Fantasy movies. I was going to... I was going to say no video game, but I, there are definitely a couple of Final Fantasy movies. So interesting. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> More details. I don't know. I'll try to read it in Kelly Wan's voice. During Tifa Lockhart's battle with Laws at the church in the slums of Midgard, she gets thrown towards a wall at very high speeds. She is <laughs> able to make an absolutely spectacular tripod landing on the wall to save herself helping her turn the tide of the fight. The landing itself is incredible. I mean, it's on a wall, and there are flower petals fly, flying in the air around. This is a disaster. There are flower petals flying in the air. See, Kelly Wan, Dingus can do impressions, too. Uh-huh. And get exhausted. <laughs> Why? He's doing an impression of you. He's not really exotic. He's acting, Kelly Wan. Oh, is he? Shit. Yep. He's, That's he's how good he is. Convincing. This yep. is bad even for the internet. <laughs> what? I don't sound like that. I mean, it's on a wall. There are flower petals flying in the air around her. It's quite an image. In this, in case... <laughs> God damn it. All right. I see why you guys like it now. In case this pick raises certain questions, yes, it is a movie, not a video game, or a documentary for that matter. It is a continuation of a video game story, but it is a movie. Okay, I'm not going to read any more of these. <laughs> so, what? Kelly Wand, that was, we're not laughing with you, we're laughing at you. <laughs> Where does acting end and the dingus start? <laughs> okay, what's this movie from? Uh, what movie is this from? We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. But I'm not laughing. Oh, uh, Mean Girls. Close. Todd Solon's. Uh, it's one of the final scenes in Happiness. I love that bit. Uh, you should see that movie sometime, Kelly Wan. It's pretty funny. Hmm. I get those two mixed up. <laughs> the director in his movie. Uh, now I have a question. Is it if it's on a wall? Is it a landing? Like, doesn't she still she hits the wall? Isn't that called bouncing off of something? For Spider-Man, <laughs> it's a landing. Uh, good point. Oh, I like that, Kelly. 
Spider-Man. Ooh, but, I didn't think of Spider-Man. But he does all those because he needs his, his hand out to do the web shooty thing. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Iron Man doesn't need his hand out to do... He doesn't. Spider-Man Pulses. needs that. Plus, Spider-Man, one of his superpowers is he's always in uncomfortable positions and he's making them look easy. He's not repulsive. He's adhesive-themed. <laughs> Iron Man's repulsive. <laughs> he's not repulsive. He's adhesive. Oh... That makes the scene in Civil War make so much more sense. I love that. Yeah. See? That's why they're not on the same side of that. Uh, they are That's on the same side. Right. Oh. Wait, I'm thinking of Matrix Revolutions, which is the one with Statham <laughs> where he comes back as a mechanic. <laughs> which is the Independence Day. <laughs> uh, which is the... Uh, which Resident Evil movie uh, has Mila Jovovich in it? Next we have Nick D. She smiles. Nick D says, hi guys. Did you know that in the Richard Donner Superman, Superman never does a tripod landing? I guess being truly super means never having to brace yourself against the ground. Take that, Kelly Wan. He just just justified tripod landings, Tom. Wait, what? I was busy talking Kelly Wan. Yeah, it's a full-time job. You have to brace yourself against the ground. I was right about spreading well, out your, right. uh, your body energy. Oh, yeah, but I don't. Superman's limbs, you can't use that. That's not how actual human limbs work. Superman's arms don't work like human arms. As, I don't know if you've seen the movies. <laughs> he, he's like a monkey. <laughs> he's like a flying monkey. <laughs> I get that reference. Yeah. I do. I, I love your bit about Superman flying out past Pluto, by the way. Um, Nick D's number three, Spider-Man 2. I think Spider-Man invented the tripod landing, didn't he? Anyway, I like the part where he's fighting Dr. Octopus, and he does his landing against uh, a vertical wall. Octoland. He at least has a reason to crouch down like a spider. Hmm, see? Spiders and octopus. This is bitter rivals. That's well, I... I will say if it's not like a Hong Kong cinema thing, I certainly know from the animation of Spider-Man, he's constantly doing this three-point crouch because he has to have a handout where he's going to shoot the webs. Right. Like, I wonder right. if that's one of the early animated like drawing-wise comic booky uh, versions like of ah, cool yeah. superhero three-point landings. And it's Spider-Man's like doing it because he's doing, and he's plus he's doing the uh, hook'em horn sign when he shoots the webs. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because he has to reach in with two fingers to press the button on the web shooter thing. Plus oh, wait a minute. Satan. Go web. Mm-hmm. Hook of horns? Are you a long one? On. I don't know. I don't follow basketball. Mm-hmm. I don't follow Dallas's South Fork Ranch. I did find out this week that uh, Black Widow spiders actually stand up on their hind legs in order to uh, attack people. All right. I'm getting heebie-jeebies. I don't need to know that. All right, number two for Nick D, the Avengers. I'm not overly fond of what follows. I like the landing that Thor does on top of the Avengers jet that is carrying Loki. It's a great entrance. That's a great line, too, Nick. I'm not overly fond of what follows. I love that line. Uh, And Nick's number one, Kelly, is The Matrix Reloaded. Um, <laughs> okay, so forget what I said the third time and the first time. I like the thing that Trinity does at the beginning as she crashes her motorcycle into the Matrix factory. 
Vegas, I think Kelly Wan watched the Matrix movies the same way you watched that Gettysburg movie on TBS. I think you're right. Look, they were all one book at one point. <laughs> Someone said. You know, when it's Tolkien like wrote them. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to do superhero landing, go over oh. the top with it. Cheers, Nick D. Cynic. All right. <laughs> Look, I, there's I three hope, of them. <laughs> I hope somebody else reverses this. All right, so uh, Brian Kent, quote, oh, my God, The Matrix Reloaded. This was the first thing that popped into my head. Carrie Ann Moss was super hot in the original Matrix in an untraditional way, and I'm kind of bummed that we didn't get more of her after the sequels fizzled out. The opening action sequence features a following leg extended tripod. So Brian Kent puts a picture here. And, uh, okay, I think Brian Kent has uh, put a picture here. I can't show it on the podcast, but I will put it on the thread. Uh, which he follows with a wicked scorpion kick to the head of one of the security guards. Although it ultimately descended into the ridiculous, there are a few frames of Reloaded that I very much enjoy and would make excellent comic book panels. Hmm. And the thing is, you know, uh, you know, I didn't say enough about what Brian Kent had to say about uh, the Batman, the, the Lego Batman movie, but he did talk a lot about how much he liked the uh, the comic book panel aspect of of, uh, of the Lego Batman movie. So I think Brian Kent knows his comic books. Uh, I don't even have to descend to the ridiculous. <laughs> Brian Kent's next pick, quote, 50,000 volts, motherfucker, have a nice day. In order to avoid being hit by a time taser, this is from the movie Time Cop. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, I'm disorienting myself. Continue. In order to be avoid being hit by a time taser, uh, JCVD, in nothing but his boxer shorts, leaps from the ground and does the time splits, making a three-point landing between two per- perpendicular sides uh, of yeah. the encounter. So that he can get back to time busting some time perps with his time gun. I'm not. I'm not able to visualize how this is a three point landing. I think because he's got feet on both sides of the walls and on okay. one hand bracing himself. And the air. That's three. The air. Okay. His penis. By the way, before when I said War of the Worlds is my number one, I think it was there was I meant the tripods from Time Machine. So if I can change that. Uh then um Brian Kent says, though I'm actually a Mad Max Fury Road hater. Whoa. Okay, uh, delete that email. Delete it. Just delete it right now. <laughs> oh they're out there. Brian Kent. Oh, oh, dude! Are they really out there? I didn't know such a thing existed. I didn't. I wasn't aware that was a thing. I didn't either. But people in the future will say that about Lego Batman movie about me. There was well, a German guy who sat across from me, and he, I, I pushed Fury Road on him, and then he came back, and he was pissed off. He's like, "They just turned around halfway through the movie. That stupid story." <laughs> he, that really annoyed him, and he was mad at me for recommending it because of that. I'm gonna go. It. <laughs> you can so say well, that about Lord of the Rings, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so well, well uh, yeah, there and back again. 
<laughs> yeah, but that wasn't their solution. They didn't go back to the Shire to throw the ring in the Shire. <laughs> Turns out you just have to bring the ring back. You yeah. have to touch the ring to a dragon and then bring it back. That would have been the three road ending of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so they get Sauron's like, wait. What? So Brian Ken says, I did like the part where Furiosa uses Max as a tripod for taking the sniper shot. <laughs> Last remaining bullet. Uh, First of all, no, no, it's not good because you don't have a tripod at the end of a sniper rifle. You have a bipod. Mm. I've never heard of a sniper rifle that has a tripod at the end of it. No, cameras do, but but sniper rifles do. Well, a camera, right, because the camera has to stand there alone. A sniper rifle, you just need something to support the, the, the barrel. You don't use a tripod. So No, the the guy shooting it is the is the third part of the tripod. Uh, Brian Kent should be in jail with Kelly Wand. Otherwise, I'm going to take to the streets. What about yeah. Link's trinoculars in Star Wars? I mean, Kelly episode. Wand is so deep in the hole right now that I think Brian Kent is going to be like in county jail at this point. First of all, he hates penny per pound. I mean, he hates Fury Road. That right there should be enough to lock him away for life. All mm-hmm. right, fair enough. He's at Rikers. Nice. Authoritarian. Nice. Uh, Chris Markinson says, "Hey guys, here's some tripod landings that I like. Tom might have stolen <laughs> a few of mine." <laughs> um. <laughs> Chris did some. Chris is so. Uh, Chris is awesome. Uh, he's like in, this, in this in uh, this animation and in the gifts thread. He's already kind of put some of these up. So um, uh, number three, Ant Man. Uh, well, chasing down Yellow Jacket, Ant Man leaps onto a moving Thomas the Tank Engine train and lands with a tripod pose. Right really? knee, left foot, right hand. What's he holding in his left hand? That's the important question. Huh, nothing. Interesting. <laughs> I had but, but no, but <laughs> Nice, Kelly. But, uh, but Chris likes that uh, this tripod landing is on a moving target. So that's, that's good. Um, I forgot about the Ant-Man thing. Uh, number two, Deadpool. Gina Carano does a three-point landing after jumping off the helicarrier and landing with a tripod pose. Right knee, left foot, right hand. I, I love that Chris is putting the actual – he's actually, like, categorizing them. Uh, what I like so much about this is Deadpool is saying that she's going to do a superhero landing and that it's really hard on the knees and totally impractical. That's not the and, only thing that's hard on the knees. <sighs> Tom, did What's you want to – No, I'm not going after that. <laughs> Number one, The Matrix. Oh, okay, forget the what eighth? I said, second of the fourth. No, it's not yours, Kelly, one, it's mine. Oh. He's not the, stealing yours, he's stealing mine. <laughs> the agent chasing Trinity at the start of the Matrix makes a huge jump from one building to the next and makes a tripod landing, left knee, right foot, left hand. What I like about this one is that he's holding a gun That's right. in his right hand. And the music's all, like, oh, shit, they can tripod land. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's yeah? What's she gonna well, do? Well, none of those cops could do it. They're all like, "What?" So yeah, Chris, I've never seen one before. Chris, me and Tom share one. Whereas they Kelly Blunt doesn't even know what his is from. <clears throat> all right, well that's it, Tom. Yeah, over to you, bud. All right, you, uh, I don't have runners up. Did you guys have runners up? Because I all I wanted to point out too: no tripod, no three point landings, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. 
That's all I need to know for my runners-up. Anything you guys got? I think the three-breasted woman in Total Recall lands on her face at one point. <sighs> all right, next week. Okay, I have nothing to follow that. Yeah. Uh, okay, now you guys know the definition of an overhead shot is not a high shot. It is not, hey, put the camera up on a crane, or hey, fly it up there in a drone. An overhead shot is a top shot looking down. And I'll just say Busby Berkeley. People know from that. You can pick those if you want. I just want your three favorite overhead shots. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yep. Uh, uh, give me the distinction again. Because well, Busby Berkeley is, like, that's... Uh, like how high up are we allowed to go? Well, it doesn't matter how high you are. It's just a matter that it's a it's an unnatural way to look at something is from the top down. Uh, and I'll just say to what made me think of this: there's a cool bit in the opening of John Wick where you've got an overhead shot down into the city streets of the car driving around, and then the director takes us John Wick too. I mean, and then the director takes us into the the, the chase scene. But early on, and it looks kind of like some of us think of video games as looking, is this overhead shot of John Wick's. John Wick 2's car driving around in the city. Now, most people know of overhead shots. I think Busby Berkeley was famous for doing musical numbers and then giving you an overhead shot of people dancing. Uh, so an overhead shot is basically something looking straight down at what would be the crown of someone's head, not a high shot. Don't show me something where the camera's like looking down from an angle. It's just a straight, unnaturally overhead, straight down shot. So, so it should be yeah, I'm 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 really ex- actually exci- excited about this. That's why. Well, I'm this is actually a, it's a it's a cinematography term. I mean, it's what they call okay. it, it's an overhead shot. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I I don't I can't imagine. I mean, there's I can't think of like famous shots that are hey the camera's up high. I mean, I think overhead shots are conspicuous. They stand out. Uh, I think it should be yeah. Like probably what you're thinking of, Dingus, is an overhead shot. If it's a up, it's not just a high camera. It's a high camera pointed straight down at what would be the crown of someone's head if he or she was standing underneath the camera. Right, like that, like the fireside, that far, that far side cartoon where like a, the bird is looking down and seeing like a target on a dude's head. Uh, that could work too, but yeah, it doesn't have to be like the the distance. Has nothing to do. It's more with okay. the angle. Yeah. The angle. Okay. Good. Okay. That's that, that was my question. Whether it was angle or distance, what we had to work with here, because this is pretty. This is actually pretty exciting. Because I did. It did make me think that the John Wick two shot, which is from super high up, made me think of it. But the more famous version of it is what Buzz, Buzzby Berkeley would do during musical numbers. So right, uh, right. do with that as you will. Kelly Wan, do you have questions? Because if you do, I'm not taking them. <laughs> Suck it, Kelly Wan. <laughs> hashtag hashtag Team Tom. Uh, send your picks for your favorite overhead shots to 3x3 at quarter3.com and also go check out Logan next week Uh, you know poor James Mangold he could use the support go see uh, Logan and send us your thoughts about that if you have any questions or comments about it we'd love to include those in the podcast also send those to 3x3 at quarter3.com with a separate subject header so we know not to save it for the 3 by 3 So join us for Logan. Join us for some overhead shots next week. I'm Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. And we had Kelly Wand. I'd fuck a Lego Rosario.
any Lego, actually. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! A Lego Vin Diesel would uh, not have to flex his muscles because the holes are already in him. I think I'm, starting, I'm starting to get an idea, monkey face. <laughs>